This is Zencaster started. Yeah, it started. It started. I wanted, to, I wanted to get this nice crisp uh, can two, crack. Two, two weeks. Yeah. We already forgot how to do all of this shit. I yeah, was about uh, to say. I need to really back, get that. Hogs. <laughs> Welcome back, hogs. Welcome back. Slop. It's been too long. We missed you. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, yes. Alice missed you. Yeah, I missed you. These yeah. these two, plus guest, plus Sean plus, from the Antifada. Hello, Sean from the Antifada. I, I, I didn't miss anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, these guys, they didn't give a shit, but I yeah. missed you. Uh, yes. And that's the important thing. Uh, hello and welcome to all those... Uh, uh, fuck. <laughs> we Nailed forgot it. how to do the introduction. I did. I forgot, forgot which one to... of us does it. Yep. I forgot the name Jesus. of the podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, having some senior moments here on episode. I don't whatever talk the hell bad about my dad. <laughs> my dad. Um, we're all old now. I had surgery. I'm recovering from that. Surgery yeah, to make dead. me less old. It didn't work very yeah, well. It was, it, old. Was, uh, it was, yeah, because uh, what was it? Liam got COVID. Yeah. I had a mental breakdown on my yeah. birthday, yeah. and yeah. Alice had her hair done. Yeah, I had, um, I had my hair done. Like, women do be having their hair done. <laughs> That's right. And me, I'm just normal. I'm just yeah. a normal guy. <laughs> Tweeting about Marxism and picking Twitter beasts with conceptual James. Yes, or yes. just ratioing the- University of Chicago economists. <laughs> just just doing normal ass things. Do the intro. Don't do the intro. Hello. And welcome to Well, There's Your Problem. See, he likes it's me a, better. It's a podcast about engineering disasters. <laughs> this is reverse sexism. <laughs> I'm Justin Rosnick. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, go. I am Alice Caldwell Kelly. I'm the person who is talking now. My pronouns are she and her. Yay, Liam. Oh, yay, Liam. You remembered. No, I remembered. Aw, hi, I'm Liam Anderson. Uh, I'm the one who's been screaming at you more often than not for the podcast Twitter. Uh, my pronouns are he and him, and we have a guest. Yeah, hi, I returned. Uh, my yes. name is Sean KB, and uh, I use he him pronouns. And I'm Why the are person you here, that's Sean? talking right now. <laughs> that's a great oh. question. We're here to fucking for finally finally gonna do Hen Central Part Three and be rid of this railroads. <laughs> oh, you forgot about the the super bonus, Alice. I'm going to kill myself. I g- genuinely, I, I thought this is a podcast about engineering disasters, and we managed to spin the existence of one railroad into five hours of content across two months, three months. We're getting. I my understanding is we're going to try to get to ten hours today, right? I don't think All we're right. going to quite hit that unless you I, include the Penn Station rant. I don't know yeah. that that's for pure. Not to go all talking baseball for a minute, but. For purists of the podcasting game, which I don't think we really are, uh, no. I'll, I'll give it an honorary 10 hours because it's also taken metaphorical years off my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I've blocked out right. the rest of this evening and into part of tomorrow to record this, so I'm in for what <laughs> I, my, my Corinne and Megan are at the fucking bar right now. I'm just sitting here with a dewy crush watermelon. Praying oh, for my own fuck death. It's a, it's, it, it's a canned cocktail, Alice. I'm a fancy boy now. Mm, interesting. We're all that, po- that passing podcast money's ruined him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. The life of a podcaster's life is not an easy one, as it turns out. <laughs> Doing the like Hassan uh, Pike swag walk towards a big palace of canned cocktails. <laughs> that, that is how I choose to live my life, by and large. <laughs> we did. We did two episodes on Penn Central in its first two years. 
Um, <laughs> now for now, the third year of yeah, Penn no, Central. Yeah, no, now, now we're going to do 30 years in one episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All gas, no brakes, baby. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Yeah. But, but first, we're going to do the goddamn news. A lot. I still got it on the drops, at least. Yes. Oh, girl. One right. billion dollars and a piece of the true cross mm. are now at the bottom of the Black Sea. The piece of the true cross thing is really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess we're going to have to do an, an Orthodox Church episode as a sequel yeah. to Protestantism. I suppose apparently so. this shit doesn't work either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. It's time to convert to Catholicism and or Judaism Just and or the Islam. worst, like, skeptic thing of being like, listen, empirically, this shit does not work. <laughs> I'm Seems sorry, but he's a true cross on the ship. Didn't do shit. Seems as though making icons and artifacts like a primary part of your religious order might have been a mistake. It's yeah. crazy yes. how they put. What do you like? It's idol tree. Like, and all Christian. Christianity is idol worship, but like idolatry, whatever. Don't yes. come for me. You know, I pronounced the St. Joseph word uh, Magis the other day instead of Magis. Magis? Yeah. Magis. Yeah, the I'm not very bright is my, is my problem. Yeah. So this is the, the, the Russian uh, guided missile cruiser Moskva. Um, or was, dumbass hour. Yeah, was. Which, and then uh, what happened? Which was the flagship of the of the Black Sea Fleet, which was bombarding oh, Ukraine. It was, in fact, the ship that the guys on Snake Island were like, "Go fuck yourself mm. to." Um, the contractor and... flipping uh, the house next to me in Philly. He has he has a Ukrainian trident on his like 2001 Chevy Venture minivan. Yep, that's a the type of guy. Line sticker. Yep, and that's then he a type has of guy. Russian warship, go fuck yourself, sticker. Yep. Wow. Yep. Is he of Ukrainian extraction, or is he like an Irish guy? <laughs> Just so another huge dub for that kind of guy. Is, is Russia not um, Ukraine's England? I mean, basically, <laughs> could be. If you all Ukrainians are Irish spiritually, and uh, <laughs> like it's a country mostly made of bogs. They speak the same language, kind of, yep. but it's like mutually unintelligible. Uh, uh, did uh, several previous genocides? Yeah, no, it's totally. Mm, yeah. This is it. This is it. <laughs> Russians are Brits. Ukrainians are the Irish. That's what happened. Yeah. And um, depending on who you choose to believe, either the Ukrainians sank the ship with two missiles, or it just kind of blew up and sank on its own, which is the Russian line, mm. and also that they're not mad about it. Mm. That it's is objectively shit. funny for just shit. shit. You don't- <laughs> it's yeah, again, don't another like it, reason why Russia is just large Britain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this this thing is now at the bottom of the sea. Uh, it's 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 very it's very funny, and uh, I, I honestly I could believe the Russian narrative that this just happened by accident. Also, but it I I, I think it's more edifying to believe that a guy called like Hrisha, uh fired a missile at this thing over the horizon and it just blew up. It's great. Wasn't it? Wasn't it you guys that did a um. An episode about the what was it the Kursk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milo. Yes. Yeah, Milo. Yeah, that was a so it was a formative moment in uh, Putin's career as a politician when that submarine went down. Yeah, with all strangely, those dead all of his disasters really seem to be linked to the Russian Navy. Um, yes, maybe he's been like cursed. I don't know. Cursed the Kursk. By the Kursk. Kursk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cursed. Yeah. yeah. 
They should have sold it to PepsiCo, man. Didn't China buy one of the uh, then Soviet Union's aircraft carriers? I believe so. By yeah. lying that it was going to be used as a floating casino in Macau? Yes. I believe that's true. I can be wrong. And I'm that's sure someone funny. in the comments is going to correct us. I love naval history. It's, I love it's to be great. corrected by the comments. This it's is and, and this is thing. this is this is the greatest moment in military history until um, a couple of days ago when the U.S. Army accidentally triggered an airspace alert over the U.S. Capitol because their plane full of display para uh, like parachutists uh, failed to answer the radio, and so everyone thought they were going to do 9-11-2 yep. into the Capitol. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Uh, go Navy, beat Army. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was literally, podcast, it was literally the, the U.S. Army like parachute Look. display team parachuting into a Nationals game, and they, yes. <laughs> quite literally, this was the funniest fucking thing. The reason why they weren't identified is because they used the wrong frequency. They used the one for rotary wing aircraft, which means that in the year of our Lord 2022, the they them US Army literally did identify as a helicopter. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Just perfect. Just incredible. So it's been it's been sort of a a week of competence uh, worldwide. Well, the th the good news is that we, of course thrive on that competence of course yes. and not on idiots being we, we, idiots we turn that into podcast and we pass we the do. savings on to you the consumer <laughs> we do come on down to alice's <laughs> big house of podcast discounts warehouse <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in other news i don't think this was well reported on no as you what may not have this? seen Sorry? this oh so there's this like movie awards thing, mm. and one it's, of the actors it's... slapped a comedian who was hosting. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. That's, that's, that, I mean, that yeah. sounds like it would have been sure. a pretty big deal, but like I haven't heard, heard of about it. Yeah, no. uh, I, I mean, I think it's funny for uh, centimillionaires to just sort of beat the shit out of each other. That is uh, funny. I, I have taken the the official, and I and I feel comfortable in saying this is the this is you know my general philosophy. Is that it's funny to watch billionaires rock each other's shit? Yeah, uh, I think that Will Smith probably should have committed to 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 like a blow to the head more than just a slap, <laughs> like a closed <laughs> fist, like a closed fist yeah. blow to the head. Well, the yeah. way the, the response that he got, like a, a shitload of a shitload of his projects being cancelled, he's banned from the academy for ten years. He had to make this like groveling apology. He may as well have done because all of the writing about this is like he fucking stabbed the guy. Exactly. Yeah, no, if 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 you know. If you insult, if someone insulted Corinne hmm. in front of everybody, in front of like millions of people on TV, about, yeah, uh, live TV, alopecia is a medical condition. Like, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of what I think is generally uh, like white people commenting on it. There's like racist undertones for sure. Sure, uh, but yeah, I would absolutely rock your shit. Like, I personally <laughs> would rock your shit, and I'd be happy to take whatever consequences. But that's, that's in keeping with, like, the Liam brand, right? And the second they let yeah, you I'm into the- Yeah, I'm a Yeah, the second they let you into the Academy of Motion I'm Picture in. Arts and I'm, Sciences, I'm you're- um, Alice, I'm Jewish. 
<laughs> Getting the Oscar packets every year, just like by virtue of for yeah. your consideration, and I'm just like haven't seen that, haven't seen that. None of these are once upon a time in America. <laughs> why? Why is it that like every uh, like there's one vote in every category for ambulance next year, and it's like I that's Liam that today. <laughs> For, for, oh, for, for I, I'll never forth. forgive him for what he did to Taylor Swift, but I really like Jake Gyllenhaal as an actor. Just show up to the birthday party, man. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> he, you know? he is a great actor, and I do like Jake Gyllenhaal playing like weird guys. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see it. For, for for what it's worth, I don't think there's a single person within the city limits of Philadelphia who has not uh, said, "Oh yeah, Will Smith was right to do that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if there yeah. is, Town pride. if yes. there is, then they're gonna be a stand-up comedian because yeah. those are the people who have been the whiniest motherfuckers you want it to be about fucking dangerous. Oh you want it to be? You think it's so fucking dangerous? Here's some actual danger. <laughs> a little bit, a little yeah. tiny like bit a of, little danger. Yeah. of danger. You might have Shake to like go see your dentist. Yeah. <laughs> like, Did you like, see the fucking tweet that was like, uh, if he had done this to Betty White, it's like, yeah, but she's dead. Like, she's fucking yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, dead. Like, R.I.P., but come on now. The best genre tweet that came out of this, or the one that made me most prone to wanting to throw my fucking phone across the room, was... Uh, this is what Trump did to America by normalizing <laughs> the violence on January 6th. What the fuck are you talking about? You know how fucking cool it would have been if Ted Cruz on the debate stage when Trump went after his wife was like, all right, motherfucker, took off his shirt. And the first time I ever respected Ted yeah, Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what pissed me off. It was like, you, you, you know, he goes after your wife and you roll over for him like a dog when what Ted Cruz should have done was... Make sure Trump had a nice time on the debate stage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, it's a matter of time, right? Until we see two candidates, Secret Service details, have to pull them apart from a slap fight, and I can't wait. I think that's yeah. going to be the no, greatest moment in American history. That's authentically American politics. And it's a great metaphor for it. It's just like two fucking out to lunch centimillionaires, <laughs> like just vaguely slapping at each other. Right, is anyone going to be upset if we go back to the mid nineteenth century? And Congress people start beating each other with canes again. As long as yeah, but the problem with that, that was mean- that uh is that some the guy who did the cane beating was a secessionist. Yeah, the ends yeah. were bad, but the means were Yes, well, yes, yes. Does yes. that yeah. mean we'll have campaigns that consist entirely of rolling a very large ball again? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's gonna be it's gonna be like uh the stakes instead of like the nineteenth century abolitionism versus the slave power or whatever, the stakes are gonna be like you support woke capital versus you like are trying to. Oh yeah, someone's gonna get the like things gonna be really. Someone's dumb. gonna get like beaten half to death on the floor of the Senate chamber for like not calling Disney pedophiles. Yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I. Uh believe that uh, all Pennsylvania Senate... We have fucking Dr. Oz running for Senate in Pennsylvania. Oh, that's you guys. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah it fucking sucks, Sean. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, there's, there's, like, like the, attack ads on, the attack ads on him are like, he's on television dancing with Michelle Obama, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's the, the, the Obama's a fucking, you know, whatever, terrible person anyway. Hmm. Like, what are we doing? It's all the same class. It's great. That said, pack a fucking lip and you might have my vote. <laughs> no, I, I, I think, because Bernie said that he's probably going to run again. Like, he's going to run again if Biden does, and Biden is almost certainly going to run. So, I think yeah, the move here is just when 
Bernie's going into the debates, we just like slip him a set of brass knuckles just to yes. even the score. Is I, Bernie really gonna run again? Are that's, you that's, what there's, there's, that's what he said. That's what he said. He said, "I can't do this yeah. again." I'm, 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 I'm laughing. Actually, to me, this oh. is funny. I'm like, gr I'm so totally grimly resigned to it that I'm like, you know that bit in like an Anthony Bourdain show where Boy, just like, be a senator, like, yeah, you know the bit where Bourdain is like only running if. Joe Biden was not going. But to Joe run. Biden's no, Joe no, Biden. it's the other way around. He's going to oh, run if around. Biden runs. Oh, I thought okay. he was going to run if Biden didn't run too. I thought that's what it was. No, but like, so you know that bit in, a, in like an Anthony Bourdain show where like he sees someone, uh, you know, put hot sauce on something, or put ice cream on something. He's like, all right, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Uh, <laughs> that that's that's how I feel about Bernie in um in 2024. It's just like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, fuck yeah, it, sure, let's see whatever. how this. Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> see what hire, You know what? At this point, just hire us. We will be yeah. better than your 2020 campaign staffers. That's I'm true. Get, that is true. Uh, hire yeah. us or like Vermin Supreme or something. Roz, yeah. you're quiet. Yeah. Am I quiet? You sound quiet, okay to right? me. Oh, does he? I don't know. Yeah, might just be quiet me. Oh, no, 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 no. The mic thing. I forgot about the fucking mic thing. Something happened. Uh-oh. No, I can hear you, Roz. We can hear you. fine. You're back. Leave it. Leave it. Okay, yeah. My level seems to be back. All right. <laughs> I thought we had solved this problem. So, Maybe no, so, yeah, no, the, the lesson, the lesson for Bernie, right, is not that it was a mistake to install a bunch of like careerist podcast grifters in his campaign. It was that they were the wrong careerist podcast mm. grifters. It yes. should have been us. Exactly. We would have done a better job. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll buy that. Uh, I see. Here's the thing. I'm an only child, so my arrogance sort of knows no bounds. Mm -hmm. Same. Uh, yeah. Aw. Sean, do you have siblings? I do. Yeah, I have a brother. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I, can't, I, I don't have, have the same arrogance. Yeah. No, I highly recommend <laughs> it. Sean, kill your person. brother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I would absolutely like run a campaign into the ground, uh, and I would I would make sure Bernie posed bare like bare chested, uh, yep. packing a lip, like all sorts of depraved shit. He's like, Mr. Sanders, you're 98 <laughs> points behind in the polls, however. You would do the Herman Cain smoking ad again, but with Bernie? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could put us, no, you could put us on Biden's campaign and really tank it. It should be funny. <laughs> Get there in front of a camera and say, I'm pretty sure Joe Biden took a shit on my friend's friend's toilet. I am. Uh, so, you know, here's the thing. I begrudgingly like Joe Biden in that I find him Me very too. amusing. Like I, total his, senility yeah. is like a huge asset for him, it turns out. I just and, and like I everyone guy, in this area has a Joe Biden story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh he like Corinne was at a Flyers game once and wandered into his suite and the secret sir and her her not her niece, but her very young cousin uh wandered into Joe Biden's suite at the Flyers game. Apparently he was just happy as a clam to like interact with people. I like begrudgingly, like, yeah, dude, like I know his politics are horrible. I know he's a war criminal, but I like that he's just like, I'm gonna be president and I'm gonna eat ice cream and 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 I'm gonna like launch thermonuclear war if someone's not fucking careful. Like, he, like he he has like a couple of good instincts, curiously, about uh like LGBT rights and about unions sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. And, and so because he has a uh, mush for brains, now he'll just go totally off message. Way Amazon, past we're coming for you. Yeah, yeah. Be like Amazon, yeah. we're coming for you. The workers will gain power over this country and shit like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, right. Just absolutely building a guillotine on stage. Marty Walsh just, has fucking bazookas for hands. <laughs> just, he just falls down the stairs and builds USSR 2 by accident. <laughs> you guys want ice cream? Joe Biden in a mech suit just showing up. <laughs> And I love that it's all Obama era fucking numbnuts, uh, Politico insiders that are like, oh yeah, what's his name? The former press secretary that's now, uh, Axelrod. Is it Axelrod? I think it might be. And I, I just know. all I just of these w- guys fucking blend together. They're all yeah. the same guy. Yeah. It's all just one block. One one endless Mobius lanyard. Yeah, yeah, but every every now to get yeah, he'll say something where I'm just like, you get him, Joe. And then the other 90% of the time, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, take a nap. <laughs> yep. Yeah, anyway. well, if you run Bernie, he'll be like 82 years old. So he'll just, he'll <laughs> run, my a just run my fucking dad at this point. It's fine. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. You want Maoism, but it's not called Maoism because my dad thinks he needs to blend in. Run William Anderson. <laughs> just fucking run Parenti by this point. It's like, yeah. get me weirder. Um, anyway, that's right, our yes. opinion on the Will Smith slap. <laughs> that's right. Deliriously off topic 15 minutes in. <laughs> All right. So. These are the I various feel- like heraldries of the like Holy Roman Empire in 1126. <laughs> it's not, it's <laughs> not Roman and it's not an empire, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I thought I thought we'd start with a little bit of the philosophical mindset oh, no. of mm. the railroad executive. Slave mm. boy, what is a train? <laughs> what, what is a train? So, generally speaking. One of your justifications for private railroads is they compete with each other, right? To provide services at lower rates, and they do so by improving, you know, practices like they, they operating practices, labor productivity, equipment, yeah, they, physical plants, so on they and so cut forth. Right? Waste all of this like capital show, show right. yes. ruthlessly, ruthlessly suppressing wages and making working conditions. Worse. Yeah. Absolutely. Which leads to more oh, hell and passing yeah. the savings onto you, the consumer. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, Sean, yeah. Have you seen the fucking BNS- BNSF shit? No, no. I will oh I will God. link it to you. BNSF is doing some what Oh, what sh- the new yeah. scheduling procedure. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I've been following yeah. that. Yeah. That's incredible stuff. They're putting like people real- on a point system. Like you have to work 30 days straight before you can win one time off point. <laughs> where you may be able to see your children. It's dark, dark, dark shit. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And now, the thing about railroad competition, right, is that if you... It sort of ignores geography, right? Oh, is that sure. you have You have a factory. There's I a do. railroad line next to it, and it's owned by one company. Yeah, you, the New York, New Haven, you want to, like, move hats from Danbury, right? Yes, yeah, you, you have one us. option. Yeah, you can't build Danbury 2, or conversely, you no. can't build another railroad and then the other side of the factory. And I mean, go, you should probably could knock not down Danbury, build, which would be the solution, because Danbury fucking sucks. You should probably not sucks. build Danbury 2, I agree with the, that one. I, yeah. I miss, Danbury I miss would the be Danbury Mall used to have a Wizards of the Coast store, which I dearly miss. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I got magic boosters there. What? I was right, like, okay. Danbury sure. too. Let's go. Build it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right next to Liam's house. Fix, fix the meta. That's what I'm saying, wizards. After Zendikar, it all went downhill. This is true. They ruined the fucking game, man. They made everything too fucking powerful, too fucking fast. I missed this. <laughs> Dan Brito is like a Connecticut enclave in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's yes. an exclave outside of Philadelphia. Yes. It's, part of, it's part of the Connecticut Western Reserve. <laughs> Dan Brito is actually Cleveland. The, the, town of, the town of King of Prussia has started as a separatist, revanchist movement to try to get its territory uh, yeah, back from Don't Dan give them Burrito. ideas, Sean. Don't give them ideas, Sean. You sort of had... We you basically sort of had- made Rhodesia again, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of had direct railroad competition in the 19th century. It was chaos and pandemonium, right? Everyone was trying to start a railroad to go anywhere from anywhere. You know, you're like, you managed to get financing to build a railroad from either two places that already had five railroads or from nowhere to East Armpit, right? So it is um, the Holy Roman Empire. Yes, it yeah. it's that Basically. map of all of the thousands of small principalities, and each one of them is like a bespoke cool sigil for a railroad. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in the 20th century, a lot of these railroads started merging, and that meant there was less competition. Under the and leadership of Bismarck, and uh, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yes, it, it, it's more like uh, great power competition, right? You had spheres of influence or communities of interest, as they called it, right? So we're in Metternich territory here. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, the Pennsylvania Railroad buys a majority stake in the Norfolk and Western to get bituminous coal in West Virginia, or, like, the Baltimore and Ohio affiliates with the much smaller railroads, the Reading and Central Railroad in New Jersey, to get access to New York City, you know, stuff like that, right? Hmm. Um, and if you're a railroad executive, you know the benefits of a balanced system, right? You have some competition in large markets like New York City, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Cleveland, places like that, right? Um, And the illusion of competition keeps the regulators and anti-monopolists at bay, right? It keeps labor scared as well. Uh, But the stability is really there to stave off every railroad executive's worst nightmare, which is nationalization, right? (laughs) Yeah, because then you might have to like wear uh, an identical jumpsuit and a pair of rubber boots uh, and like be poor, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, you'd stop being, you'd stop having stock options because the government would own the railroad. Um, the, the, the theory was sort of this: if you had a major railroad and it slid into bankruptcy in a way that was actually hopeless, and it was taken over by the government to provide the essential service of moving freight, right? Profitability would no longer be a central concern to that railroad, right? Sure. Even if the government forced them to operate cost neutral, they would, of course, be able to offer better service, better wages, better working conditions than a railroad that was obliged to provide a return to shareholders, right? Mm, right. The well, same thing with the postal service versus like FedEx and UPS, right? Which is why yeah. they have to do so much lobbying to try and strangle it. Mm-hmm. Or right. the the city of New York uh, building the independent line, in order, when uh, the rest of the subways were still private, they built it in order to basically undercut using public funds um, the private subway network, which eventually then of course gets municipalized. Man, the oh, government's yeah. really good at doing stuff. It turns out. It, it turns out. 
despite all the evidence to the contrary. <laughs> so there's there's a sort of domino theory in effect here, right? Um, we must preserve know. peace in Southeast Asia. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yeah. this was why the Milwaukee Road had to occupy uh, South Vietnam. Yes. If, if the if the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917 scared the shit out of the entirety of the capitalist class, Wilson nationalizing the railroads in 1917 was the equivalent for the railroad owning class. Oh they yeah. Did not want to see that come back. And that, that's why they, they 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 worked a lot harder in World War II than they did in World War One. <laughs> <laughs> But if you had an actually nationalized railroad, you know, labor unions would be able to point to the nationalized railroad that was offering better wages. You know, they could conduct a strike to make those happen on other private railroad. Shippers would also demand better service or at least consummate with what the government railroad could provide. Right. And, and you'd sort of you'd have to do it. Right. And if you if management capitulated, they'd probably get in become insolvent. They'd get nationalized. This would continue across the nation until all of a sudden, horror of horrors, there's this big government railroad that provides yes. great service, yes. great benefits to employees, yes. uh, great economies of scale, and no one was getting rich off of it. Talk which is terrifying. I would hate <laughs> for that to happen. Yeah. Everyone's Red Atlas shrugged, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. basically no. like that. The, the fears in that book are the fears of these people at the yeah. time. <laughs> The, the fear in that book is that the railroads might be good. The fear is that all the fucking Atlas shrugged again. Yeah. So these sort of communities of interest forms, and they're like gentlemen's agreements. Your big railroads were more than happy to pick on little tiny railroads, but none of the big real out railroads like seriously competed against each other, or at least tried to become an existential threat to each other. Right. Hmm. Um. You know, this so is kind of when I amass all my all my soldiers at the enemy border, but I don't declare war yet. Yes, mm. and so you know, this is uh, it's 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 you know, it's a form of class solidarity among the railroad owning class, right? And it it worked for a while until it didn't. Mm. Solidarity not forever. <laughs> the capitalist class has a hard time having solidarity with one another. I yeah. imagine what uh, sort of. I have a news item. I have a news item. Oh, uh, breaking news. Die? No, I'm going to read this quote from Steve Keeley of Fox 29. Somebody stole a thousand dollars worth of Red Bull from the Woolwich Township Wawa <laughs> in Gloucester <laughs> County, South Jersey, at 9:50 p.m. on Wednesday. Liam, they you can... don't have to incriminate yourself. You have a Fifth Amendment right. <laughs> I I love the idea of that's got to be a lot. That's 250 Red Bulls, man. That's yeah. No, so, so you're set for like a week at that point. Yeah, me this personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had to help my parents uh, with some phone stuff today, and uh, they called me late last night to be like, "Can you please come help us?" And I I mentioned that my demands were a bag of Cheetos and the biggest Red Bull they have. And to her credit, my mom dutifully went to the mini mart in their building, and she was like, "Is this size good enough?" It's like the twenty ounce one. I'm like, "I don't think they make a bigger one. <laughs> see, see if they will, mother." G give me, me, like, give me like a like a, a, a cask. Yeah, mom. See if, see if they'll do it in a two liter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a two liter of Red Bull is like such a cursed fucking idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have to make it real. Make it real. My anyway, you were saying, Roz. Sorry to interrupt so you. Uh, well, we recap our last two episodes really quickly. 
Penn Central was the merger of the New York Central and the Pennsylvania Railroad, both of which were and the hat guys and the hat guys in New York, New York. I feel I feel a weird sort of parochial sense of ownership there. Um, you know, and they they failed instantly due to all the grift as well as other external factors, decline in Northeast industry, so on and so forth. Um. Our friend Stuart Saunders, uh, what's his name? Bevan. I forget his first name. Um, Bevan Bevan. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Devin and Bevan. Devin Bevan, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Al, Perl- Al Perlman, they were all fired at the end of our last episode. Paul Gorman of Western Electric, who was appointed president for the bankruptcy. Uh, he is now the, pre- the railroad's president. He wants the hell out. This is a dead-end job. Uh, Al Perlman, of course, was immediately recruited by the Western Pacific and pretty much instantly turned it into the most profitable railroad in the West. Um, so, Incredible. Yeah, a big loss there. <laughs> uh, physical plants in terrible condition. Yeah, the freight Luke trains said are, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, the freight trains are breaking even at best. Passenger trains are all losing money. Trains are getting lost. Uh, revenues were being propped up by this sort of steaming, steaming heap of shit accounting. Right. They managed to lose money on an oil company. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about that impressive. a little bit last time, yeah. Yeah. Literally uh, just sucking profits out of the ground and you're going to lose money on it. Incredible. <laughs> uh, and the railroad was in bankruptcy as of June 21st, 19 cent- uh, 1970, the largest corporate bankruptcy ever until Enron. Hmm. The reorganization uh, was uh, given to Judge John P. Fullman. And uh, several trustees. We'll get into a few of them later, right? Um, your big congressional interest was the passenger trains, right? They wanted them to run, and they had the power through the Interstate Commerce Commission to force them to run, right? Hmm. Some people had this idea of creating a quasi-national corporation to run the passenger trains, you know, because they weren't making money and the railroads couldn't really financially support them. But no one really liked it because, you know, they could just force the ICC to force the trains to run. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter what the railroads make money or not, right? Mm. Um, so uh, Fulham took one look at the Penn Central finances and said, to hell with the ICC. I'm going to shut down the passenger trains Never anyway. face the ICC. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what, why, though? Just because he was like a bankruptcy judge and was therefore like, no, it's important to me that like the creditors get their end out of this? Bankruptcy judges oh, yeah. are the worst fucking people on the planet. <laughs> no, I believe that. No, I yeah, believe well, it, yeah. I, I can confirm my dad did bankruptcy law for when he was still a practicing attorney. And uh, yeah, literally, literally worse than Hitler. <laughs> yeah, imagine that's like those ghouls that do the eviction law, like judges yeah. that sit Ooh, there yeah. and bang their yeah. gavel like 30 times a day, and every time they're banging that gavel, it's like another family that's thrown out in the street. And I guess yeah, it's exactly. just, you know, par for the course. Yes. It's another day in the halls of justice. Maybe the government shouldn't get to decide uh, which loans are and aren't discharged in bankruptcy. Thanks for nothing, Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, yeah. Villainous, villainous legislation by Joe Biden. This was enough to uh, get uh, Congress to spring into action, right? Wow, that's yeah. that's not a sentence I ever thought I'd hear on this show. <laughs> there's there's going to be a lot of brinksmanship in this episode. Oh, um, brinksmanship. Congress like could spring into action back then, maybe in a way that we haven't seen since like the 1980s or whatever. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there was still a little juice. There was still a little gas in the engine. 
You can still do some stuff in Kanye. Wasn't wasn't true. like filled with guys who are there exclusively to resent the idea of them doing anything. Yeah, I exactly, I've never understood yeah. that yes. one. Just be a fucking lobbyist, man. It's fine. No, because it's important that they take up the seat and get the perks yeah, to stop anybody yeah. else from doing it. And solicit underage girls for sex. What's up, yeah, Matt Gates? <laughs> so, don't bleep that. Don't bleep that. That one's true. <laughs> yeah, I think that Once, is actually like not actionable. <laughs> Once all the congressmen who are interested in keeping the passenger trains running, uh, you know, uh, heard that the passenger trains might stop running, they 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 started to get worried. They got a guy at the FRA named uh, Jim McClellan, right? He was a he was an operations guy from the Southern Railway. Um, he he uh, so they got him to sit down mm -hmm. with some of our our some guys from our favorite consulting group, McKinsey and Company. Wow. Right? Oh, oh no! Yeah. Cameo yeah. appearance in this story, Mr. Buttshug. Hello. <laughs> it's it's yeah, gonna be more than the cameo. Way more efficiently if you let me murder a dog up there. <laughs> yes. One of the big scandals right now, or the big scandal in France, is that one? Emmanuel Macron oh, no. just like hired out his government to McKinsey over the last like couple of years. <laughs> He's just been like they build like a billion dollars, making France worse. God damn and Marine it. Le Pen can look at can point to that and be like, "Yeah, you don't want a government run by consultants that look like Pete Buttigieg. Well, vote for me, the fascist." Yes. <laughs> so, so, so he and McKinsey and company, and also accountants, uh, Arthur Anderson, uh, Ooh, which no longer exists anymore because yeah, of, sort of the Enron scandal. Yes. Yeah, I think it's part of Accenture now. I believe yeah. so. Mm. They, they started chopping up the national passenger rail network, um, and they finished it in like a month. Right. It was sort Jesus. of an ad hoc thing. Um, you know, there were there were a lot of political uh, give and takes on that one. Uh, they, they got rid of what they thought were the unprofitable trains, but they had to keep some of them because uh, congressmen complained. Um, I do like the idea of the Love's Trains Caucus. Yeah, oh, yeah. bring that shit back. Because <laughs> yeah. now it was it's just it's just Biden. Now. It's just Biden, like yeah, as the exactly. executive. Yeah. One man dictatorship. <laughs> there were a lot of trains that were kept that went to West Virginia. Um, <laughs> so in October of, of course, uh, I mean, it, it, like Congress people used to like planes because back then private planes hadn't been invented yet, and therefore you couldn't be on flight logs if you did all of your <laughs> shit on a private train. Exactly. Um, so you know, in in October, Congress passed and President Nixon signed. The Rail Passenger Service Act, which created what we now call M-Tracks, right? One of those, one of those things where Ooh. Nixon's like an un unreasonably effective liberal president, just like the EVA and shit. Yeah, he's, he, his hand is going to be forced a couple more times through this. Uh, oh, there's a barricade situation in Kensington. Hmm. Someone shot at a mailman! Come on, dude, that's Come federal! On. You, you don't want to do that shit, you're gonna yeah. get the US Postal Inspectors on your that's ass. That's federal, don't most, do fr that. most frightening US law enforcement agency. 98% conviction rate at trial, you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but this national rail system that was hashed out over a couple of weeks is essentially the same as what we have today, but that's a whole other story, I, right? I never knew that Amtrak was a creation of McKinsey. That, I would never have guessed yeah. that. Yeah. Well, actually, the original M-Track plan is drafted by McClellan and McKenzie. It was actually significantly more generous than what we got. 
Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. Couldn't even get the McKinsey plan. That's yeah. America, folks. <laughs> um, so the passenger trains are gone, except the commuter trains. Maybe Penn Central could hash it out. And Judge Fullman needed to appoint a new president because Gorman wanted out, right? So they got a guy from the Southern Railway. At like was, gunpoint? Because no one wants this job, right? No one wants this job. So, well, they got a guy that the Southern Railway wanted out. <laughs> ah, yeah. You're being promoted and fuck you. You're, you're being promoted. Get out of here. The guy Alcoholic named, on his seventh wife. He hasn't played <laughs> child support. He hasn't shaved in a week. Just yes. push that guy into Stumbling the into the in office. Yeah. What's up, guys? Let's do this. <laughs> he got a bottle with three X's on it. He's wearing a barrel with straps. He's like, come on, let's go. Let's build Amtrak. <laughs> so, so this is, we get William Wild Bill Moore. Oh my right. god. <laughs> <laughs> a new president, a guy who was too, like, the Southern Railroad was sick of his shit and his name is Wild Bill. Anyway, he's gonna be uh, here in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the Southern Railroad, it's the Southern Railway. They're very, they were very strict about that. Um, Excuse me. They, they named it after the one in Britain. Ah, okay. Because Pat Patrician oh. Southerners. And they kept mm. the green, too, so. Yes. Mm. So he was a Southern Railway operations guy. He was born in Hazard, Kentucky. Nice. Uh, yeah, near our friends, the Trillbillies. <laughs> born um, in nice. Bad Vibes, Kentucky. He was educated at Virginia Military Institute. And oh, he had what no. was described. <laughs> <laughs> Generating America's most normal leaders of tomorrow. <laughs> he was... Describe this having an abrasive management style. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's like, a VMI, dude. <laughs> Just brandishing his sawed-off shotgun around the office. It was <laughs> abrasive for the standards of the Southern Railway, which was... Uh, <laughs> this motherfucker came out of Bloody Harlan, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was strike-breaking when he was 13 years old. <laughs> so the, 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 the Southern Railway wanted rid of him. Uh, the president suggested Fullman be a good fit for Penn Central, and no one else wanted the job, but Moore decided to take it, but he wanted a really high salary, which they gave him, right? So Moore succeeded Paul Gorman, who had taken a job at International Paper Company, right? What a pussy. And he set out being <laughs> a gigantic holy terror to everyone who encountered him, oh. right? <laughs> he refused to move to Philadelphia. Uh, Fuck you all, too, buddy. <laughs> he did all his business in a private train, which was constantly touring the system. Fuck right, that rules. That's actually, that kind of rules. Awesome. Yeah, that rules. Like uh, Goldeneye? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he closed a bunch of rail yards. He consolidated a bunch. He scrapped all of Al, Perlman, all, Al Perlman's improvement plans. He culled the workforce. He Literally. went after. Yeah. He, <laughs> he got yeah. some of the McKinsey guys in. Uh, just wait. Um, he went after crewing regulations, oh, um, no, right? So, for instance, asshole. in Indiana, you needed a five-man crew on each train, but all surrounding states, you needed a three-man crew. So the procedure was, when you reach the Indiana border, two guys would get on the train and do nothing <laughs> until you got to the other end of the state, and then they got D off. Dream job, apart from having to stay so in good. Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's the problem. I You're would in stay Indiana. in Indiana for that dream job. I'm not <laughs> fucking leaving. <laughs> Go Colts, baby, with like a sawed-off shotgun by my side. Imagine the seniority you need to get though to be that to be oh, one wow, of those yeah. guys. Oh yeah, You're on. You're just feather betting on out of that. Sounds yeah. beautiful. Uh, he shoved enough money into lobbying to kill that regulation in Indiana. He, he and a couple other railroads, uh, or he recruited some other railroads to help him. Right, and he was also he was very clever. Right. So Judge Fullman ordered the railroad to dispose of the corporate jet, right? Like no corporate jets for the railroad. And Moore still wanted a corporate jet. So he borrowed an extra one from one of his friends at the Scott Paper Company, right? What is with this close relationship between railroads <laughs> and paper companies? They're yes. good customers. Yeah. Uh, paper is a big railroad commodity. I guess so. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, yeah. So he borrowed an extra one from his friend at the Scott Paper Company and had them build a railroad for an equivalent amount of toilet paper. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. It's the crisis of the 70s, we're back down to barter economy. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the dumbest country on, on like, conceivable. <laughs> he also hated everyone. He was well known for firing anyone on the spot for any reason. Especially management, right? <laughs> sort kind of Genghis bit. Khan management style. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, so, so Moore had this idea, all right, we're going to increase revenue and slash expenses, right? So already bad physical plant, let's make it worse. Uh, but we're going to have more traffic than ever before, right? For some reason. Um, and, and the state of the railroad just continued to decline. Everyone was miserable, right? Um, and in late December 1972, after the railroad had been hit hard by Hurricane Agnes, more on that in a couple slides, uh, Moore was on a metro liner heading to a meeting in Philadelphia when a coal train derailed in the tunnel in Baltimore. Mm. And he phoned ahead to find out what the delay was. And the superintendent told him, well, a cold train derailed in the tunnel and is really wedged in there, right? It'd be a day at least to clear the tunnel. Mm. And Moore told them to have it fixed in an hour. What? <laughs> that That's such a fucking realistic, dickhead. Star yeah. Trek ass. I, I, I feel like that, that's something. I'm surprised they could do it in a day. Something like that would take a week now. <laughs> Uh, so he called him back in an hour and, fi and fired him on the spot, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But he was, on, he was on a radio phone on a public to the railroad channel, and an anonymous engineer radioed in to say, Merry Christmas to you too, you son of a bitch. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was when Moore realized he'd hit the wrong button and the whole call had been relayed over the train's PA system. <laughs> this guy didn't know dick about trains apparently. Oh my, apparently, yeah. I mean, so he, you know, he, this is this is uh this is when some of the trustees start to really take notice after they hear this shit, right? Um one of which was Jervis Langdon, who was a former Baltimore and Ohio guy, uh now a Penn Central trustee. He decided we need to get rid of more cuz he wasn't producing results and everyone hated him, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, apart from that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he can't Listen, he may be a son of a bitch, but he also doesn't get shit done. <laughs> <laughs> so in 
He they, may they, be a detestable person, but he's also off-putting and hard to work with. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can't argue with the numbers. They're really bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I he, he had to come up with a reason to get rid of him, which was apparently he was using railroad employees to do repairs on his house. Mm, sure he was. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> So he was forcibly retired January 2nd, 1973. Langdon became president's, uh, president of the railroad. The superintendent who was fired was rehired that day as well. Um, oh, that was nice. That was nice, yeah. Um, and so Jervis Langdon it's is like different from his... stalinization you know? Yes. <laughs> He's like rehabilitated. He has to come back from the gulag. Yeah, the secret <laughs> speech against Moore. <laughs> Leaked by the CIA, the guy could get his I uh, job I feel like back. this is a lot more like late Soviet Union in that they run through a bunch of people really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're kind of revolutionary. So Moore's the undrop-off, and then next yeah. we're going to get ourselves... Uh... Langdon is Gorbachev. Who's Yeltsin, dare I ask? Uh, we'll get to Yeltsin. Um, <laughs> so Langdon, you know, he's different from his predecessors, right? He didn't even pretend the railroad could be saved without government help. Uh, there were a lot of reasons for this, but the largest concerns were the commuter trains and the economic state of the Northeast Rail Network as a whole, right? Sure. Sure. So he believes in Glasnost, Perestroika, uh, yes. the third one. Mm. Yeah, here's the here, here's the Eastern Bloc. Um, <laughs> if you were a shipper in the Northeast or a railroad passenger, you had some alternatives to Penn Central, and none of them were especially good, right? Um, the the first was the Erie Lackawanna, right? Um, that was from a merger of the Delaware Lackawanna and Western which was a railroad from New York to Buffalo by way of Scranton and Binghamton, and the Erie Railroad, which was a railroad from New York to, bu to Buffalo by way of Binghamton with a branch to Scranton, but also continued to Chicago, right? Mm. Didn't have a large service area, but it was the only plausible alternative to Penn Central for through traffic, right? Those shippers who were lucky enough to be connected to its main line were provided with reliable but not very quick service to major terminals as well as points in the southern tier of New York and northeast Pennsylvania without having to deal with Penn Central, right? Um, sure. And you pay it, a premium to avoid having to deal with Penn Central. Right, yeah. yeah. There are a lot of people who want to avoid using Penn Central. Uh, the area Lackawanna was pretty quick to modernize its facilities after the merger to shift emphasis from bulk traffic to ports to faster parcel traffic and uh, piggyback trains, you know, trailer on flat car stuff, right? Uh, they offered a slower scheduled uh, piggyback service than Penn Central. It's 29 hours versus 24 hours between New York and Chicago. But all the shippers uh, liked uh, Erie Lackawanna because the Erie Lackawanna train showed up. <laughs> that will do it. That's yeah, positive, it's it's yeah. twenty nine hours versus like forty eight. Yeah. Question, mark. question mark. Question yeah. mark. Question mark. It's like those old uh, like the steamers in the nineteenth century that had a departure time and not an arrival time. Yeah, yeah. The it Penn gets Central. There when it gets there. <laughs> the Penn Central worked by the tides. Yeah, to like check to see what the high tide was that day to see when it would wash in. I think we'll get to that in a couple of slides. 
So they they made a they made a bunch of money when they got a major contract with uh, United Parcel Service UPS, right? Um, this was a smaller and more manageable railroad. It was affected by the decline in northeastern industry, but it was mostly solvent at this time, nineteen seventy, whatever. I think nineteen seventy two we're on, right? Nineteen seventy one, excuse me. The other northeastern railroads were not doing as well. Oh, because they didn't have that cool stripe livery. That's the yes. problem, I think. That's yeah. a, yeah. That'll do it. That'll do it. Oh, it's a really good, it's a really it good. Is. There's some, there's, uh, there's, there's still a, um, somewhere in North Jersey, there's one Erie Lackawanna painted uh, unit running around. I think one of the shops just painted it that color for fun. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. I've seen it once. <laughs> so, Cryptid. Yes. Yeah, the Reading Company, which went from Philadelphia to Reading and to the no anthracite coal fields in Williamsport. That's down here, right? Um, and if you needed to ship cargo between any of those points, the Reading was very good at it, right? They Are introduced we going to talk the, about beeline service? Yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to talk about the beeline service, right? What's a beeline service? We'll tell so, you in a second. I'm impatient, damn it. <laughs> your usual railroad freight service is, um, you know, you pick up the car at the industry, it goes to the yard, it sits for a day, it goes to the bigger yard, it sits for a day, it goes to another big yard, sits for a day, it, it goes to the small yard, it sits for a day, it gets the customer, right? Um, right? And it could take three days to go 300 miles, right? The Reading decided we're going to compete directly with short-haul trucking. Hmm. So with, with two hours noticed, a crew would be dispatched to haul between five and 20 cars from any point on the railroad to any other point in the railroad in one go. Uh, trips that usually took days took hours, right? Uh, crews were paid at a premium rate. Uh, you might earn, you might get 100 hours pay for five hours of work. Damn, right? Jesus. That's some, that's some tits work right there. Yes. Um, it, it, you had to bend some union rules to make it work, but everyone was basically fine with it, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> the issue was most of the shippers were shipping to points off the Reading network, so we had to interchange with Penn Central. You know, and if you got uh -oh. to the interchange point in two hours instead of 20, it still sat in the yard for like two days and then got lost, right? <laughs> oh no, my potatoes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so they did great on that service. The bread and butter traffic, which is the anthracite coal, that was almost completely gone by the 70s because no one was using coal to heat their house anymore. So Redding Company filed for bankruptcy in 1971. Was that sort of like the path not taken? What Redding tried to do with all the spot pickups? and That would make a lot wages? more sense for right. like carload freight if anyone was like still trying to do that. It'd be a lot more difficult to do on a bigger railroad. But um, I mean, if you look at stuff like what the Swiss are doing now, it's kind of the same idea. I mean, since because of the economy is a scale of, you know, trains, you can pay people a lot of money and still be competitive with trucking. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And this is pre-deregulation of trucking, too. So trucking isn't quite as cheap as it is now. This is true. I, you yeah. know, labor hasn't been smashed down to the point that somebody makes $300 a week being like a carrier for a trucking company. Yes. Also, the two, this is like... Uh, Around the time of the oil shocks, too. So you'd think that railroads would have been able to pick up some of, uh, you know, some of that business. Well, how expensive fuel yeah. was getting. 
Like, no, no, let's never accuse I, anybody yeah. of having like a, a good idea that wasn't left to die in the dark. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you had the Central Railroad of New Jersey. Woo! Um, I like the CNJ. It a went lot. from New Jersey to New Jersey. Wow, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And keep its you name out of your mouth. From New Jersey Ish. to New Jersey too. Yes. West Jersey to East Jersey, North Jersey to South Jersey. Um, it was really Central Jersey you, is real. If you wanted <laughs> to ship something from one part of New Jersey to another part of New Jersey, the Central Railroad in New Jersey was the way to do it. What if you want to ship something out of New Jersey? Kill yourself. Uh, <laughs> I, they had like a branch line that went across the river to Bethlehem, I want to say. Uh, <laughs> Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Right, but yeah, you'd you have, have to, to deal fucking, with Penn Central. Yeah, Penn Central again. <laughs> they were the, they were they were the first to go bankrupt in 1967 after they were shut out of the Penn Central merger. Bastards. Uh, you had the Lehigh Valley Railroad, yeah, um, which went from New York City to Buffalo by way of Wilkes-Barre instead of Scranton. Mm. Um, and once the St. Lawrence Seaway opened, it had no reason to exist. <laughs> That's tough, man. <laughs> it was all hauling yeah. bulk commodities, right? <laughs> So it, it filed for bankruptcy in 1970. You had the St. Lawrence Seaway. That was a good way to ship in the Northeast because you could have bulk cargo on boats that could now go out to the Atlantic Ocean, come around and into ports on the East Coast. Uh, that opened in 1950. It was great for freight rates and terrible for railroads. Uh, and then you had trucks, of course. Interstate 80 was nearing completion. At this point, right, and we're urging ever closer to the point where the Teamsters are like brought to heel. Um, yeah, as you as you said, Sean. Mm. So then it got worse. Oh no! Oh no! The tides! The, the tides, tides! I told the you. The tides. <laughs> uh, weather is happening. Oh, uh, I hate when that happens. Oof. So uh, Hurricane Agnes uh, hit. In 1972, on June 14th, 1972, there was a tropical depression formed in the Caribbean, uh, quickly became a major hurricane. It tracked up the United States eastern seaboard, caused tornadoes and floods all the way up to upstate New York. Uh, this is Elmira in the southern tier. Jesus. Um, yeah. Uh, this is, this is, is the that water supposed to be there? Is that? Uh... Uh, it's supposed to mostly be in the Susquehanna River, but now the whole oh, town I is see. the Susquehanna River. Wow. Uh, Riverfront property expand. <laughs> exactly. Do you know some is... people pronounce it Susquehanna? Susquehanna? Mm. Yeah. That's wrong, but some I people do pronounce it. on Susquehanna, man. My, uh, my roommate from beautiful uh, Yorktown Heights, New York, is like, no, it's Susquehanna. No, it's fucking not. It's Susquehanna. And I know that because I grew up next to it. If you're, if you're caught in a flood of the Susquehanna River, does that make you Mormon? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were there. It's like we the one of the ways they actually can get you. Yeah. Mormon. You, me, and Derek are Mormon now. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be drinking this seltzer, but I am anyway. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's the oh, Mormon Jordan. hot drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this causes billions of dollars in property damage. It wipes out villages, small towns, big towns, even right. Killed 119 people. Severely damaged the entire Northeast Railroad network. A lot of marginal lines were abandoned after this, where the ICC allowed it. There were patchwork repairs to some main lines. Uh, the area Lackawanna was hit the worst. Its whole main line in the southern tier was destroyed. Right? That, 
that's a tough way to go, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, unable to afford real repairs, it filed for bankruptcy June of 1972. They didn't have insurance for that shit? That seems like something you'd want to be insured for. Saves that's weight. a good question. Saves weight. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, given the corporate culture of the 1970s, it's like clear that they spent the insurance money on some kind of scam. The only yeah. question is what? Yeah, the insurance right. company went bankrupt, probably. Yeah. yeah. That's why you can't get flood insurance anymore. And the insurance company like, were washed into the Susquehanna and all became Mormon. And the name of that insurance company? AIG. <laughs> <laughs> I would like my golden parachute to be diamond-plated, please. Mm. Seems we went into accounts receivable and uh, all of the insurance policy money was spent on private jets and... Yes. Yes. Nice young ladies to occupy said private jets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's now zero major Northeast railroads that were financially solvent, except. Oh, this seems like a problem. Except maybe the Chessie system, Ooh, right? Chessie lived, and the Chessie <laughs> system relied very heavily on trackage rights from the Reading and Central Railroad in New Jersey, north of Let's Philadelphia, go. right? And so, and the biggest Northeast Railroad, the Penn Central, was in the worst shape. Hmm. Those you want to hear is like the granddaddy company is eating the most shit. Yes. Oh yeah. So Quite you literally just wiped out underwater. Wiped out massive amounts of like actual capacity here at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're talking about you're talking about are, are the grocery store shelves going to be stocked at this point? Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Real redolent of this era that we're in right now. Biden's yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon. That's <laughs> just say fuck. Just say fuck. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah, that fine. hard. Fuck go Brandon. Yeah. Fuck go Brandon. Fuck go Brandon. <laughs> that sounds like Funko Pop. Oh, let, let, Funko let's Brandon. let's fuck Brandon. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we go now to the offices of the Association of American Railroads. <laughs> busy, busy eating its own shit. Yeah. There are a photo of the cast of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I think Liam I'm has just to be Mel Brooks smiling what? with my friend. Oh, yeah. oh that's anti-Semitic, but yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. I'm used that's to it. Pro-Semitic. No, you're anti-Semitic. Remember, yeah, it's philo-Semitism. Hates the Jews. Just yeah. runs. Well, if you if you're Mel Brooks, you get to live to be like what is he ninety eight right now? Yeah, or he yeah. just wrote his memoirs. Also, I made fucking blazing saddles. I'll live with it. Ninety eight yeah, yeah. years old, never got cancelled. I mean, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah did you guys know that, that? Did you guys know the Blazing Saddles is super racist? Uh, and this movie could have never, never been made. Blazing Saddles today. today. <laughs> <laughs> That's all like 2015, like pre-Gamergate fucking. Oh, I remember uh, Tom Waits yeah. days. Yeah. So there's a problem here, which is these railroads, you know, they're all in terrible shape. Uh, and their regulatory structure, the Interstate Commerce Commission, was all designed Busy in the late 1800s. <laughs> um, it's designed for railroads that are making shitloads of money, right? Yeah, because they can't have yeah. envisioned. In, in the 19th century, they couldn't envision losing money on a railroad. Every time you say ICC, I think, because I, you know, I, I'm a communist, I think of the International Communist Current, which is a uh, group <laughs> I'm of on, left comms. I, because I'm, I guess, a secret liberal, I'm on the International Criminal Court here. Oh, I just kept oh, thinking okay. ICP. I kept yeah, thinking I, of St. Cloud Posse. <laughs> 
I would love for the, <laughs> the international clown courts. <laughs> yeah, the the interstate We're clown court. We're now gathered for gathering of the juggalos. <laughs> so your railroads the are ICC. Reg- yeah. Yeah, You're regulated right. as a public good, but not funded as one, right? You're expected to take a reasonable profit on the side, and there's now no profit to be had, right? Mm. By the end of January 1973, the situation was very, very bad. Penn Central Legal Counsel, uh, Bob Blanchett, who was the only New Haven guy Why? to Why stick it out this far. Why do you guys all have false teeth only, with cyanide in them? The only hat guy left. <laughs> yeah, the only hat guy left. It's like the like the Poor last bastard. Romanian guy at the siege of Stalingrad. Just the like, last of the Kennedy cutters. Yeah, there, there's yeah. A, there's a rumor he had a room, a secret room in his house that was a shrine to Napoleon. What? Ooh. I hope that's yeah. true. Is he a short king? Fuck that yes, rule. he was a short he was king. Five yes. Foot three. Okay, there we go. Nineteen <laughs> seventies <laughs> guy from Connecticut with a shrine to Napoleon. <laughs> Very normal. <laughs> Please, that's a type of guy. <laughs> Bob Blanchett warned Judge Fulham the railroad only had enough money to run the trains until the end of February. Right? Yeah, and he was like, "Why are you talking in that French accent? You're from Danbury." <laughs> Oh, oui, oui, take your hand out of your road. fucking yeah. jacket. <laughs> what, what you... Why did you ride a horse yeah. directly into the ICC office? <laughs> you psycho. Is that a is that a battleship? <laughs> did you tow that here? Langdon Langdon wanted government help, right? Um and at the, the offices of the Association of or the American Association of Railroads. There was a lot of harumphing after this, right? Ah, I see why you have to slide now. Yes. So we got Jack Fishwick from the Norfolk and Western. Hayes. Sorry, that that is a fucking in's mouth ass name. Yes. (laughs) You got Hayes Watkins from the Chessie system. Hayes Watkins. Hayes Watkins. Wow, when I was on Total Frat Move, that would have been a fucking banger username. (laughs) (laughs) They were the only they 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 along with Langdon. We're like, we need to find a solution to this problem. The other 19 railroad presidents who made up the body didn't give a shit. They were like, mm-hmm. the Northeast is Siberia. Siberia should solve its own problems, right? <laughs> yeah, you're trying to talk to some guy from like Union Pacific about this shit, and he's he just does like, not care. Yeah. No, he no. didn't care. Actually, not my problem. Frank Barnett from the Union Pacific. Overheard the actual state of Penn Central finances. Oh, please don't tell me Union Pacific is going to be the fucking hero here. <laughs> Union Pacific is going to be not. There's no heroes here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Where we're going, there's no heroes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he heard the actual state of Penn Central finances from a meeting that his legal counsel went to, and realized what was going to happen to Penn Central if nothing was done, which was nationalization. Oh no! Right. That are a complete breakdown of like commodity transport in the Northeast. Small right? like, famine in like uh, full yeah, states. Yeah, yeah. A famine like in New York City. Not, yeah, the economy could not survive like no train, right? Yes. But that was bad news for all the railroads, but especially bad news for major interchange partners like the Union Pacific, right? They had to protect the industry. They had to protect their profits. They had to protect their phony baloney jobs, right? <laughs> so. So Frank Barnett, uh, Langdon, and 
the Union Pacific Legal Counsel, William McDonald, hashed out a plan, right? For a limited intervention to bolster the South Vietnamese forces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, the Northeast Rail Network would be fundamentally restructured. It would be pruned. It'd be streamlined. It'd have some government help, but we're going to avoid the N-word. And in 1971, oh, that's pretty progressive. Yes. <laughs> you could never make Blazing Saddles today. <laughs> way they start this, the way they started doing this was by provoking a crisis, right? Much like Vietnam. Yes. Mm. They're going to have their Gulf of Tonkin moment. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so... Never let a good crisis go to waste. Yes. Rahm Emanuel. So Langdon informed Judge Fulham that the Penn Central needed $800 million from Congress to continue operating for three years, right? Or we'll blow up the railroad. Yeah. Or we'll blow up the railroad. One hostage every hour. Or New York City will starve. We will execute a borough every day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brooklyn. (laughs) Time to go. This this said to the creditors, like, okay, we just need to cut our losses, liquidate the railroad now, right? Um, But the Congress got uneasy because that meant trains would stop running, at least temporarily, right? More, more likely for a longer time than that. Um, and this was when the Penn Central trustees said, okay, in order to continue operating, we have to cut train crew sizes, right? Mm. And if they didn't do that, or if the unions protested or, or God forbid, did a strike, Judge Fulham will order the Penn Central shut down and liquidated immediately, right? Mm. But they know the unions are going to strike, so that's, like, this is a gambit, right? Yes. I see. Yeah, February 9th, 1973, the United Transportation Union President, Al Chesser, gave the order to hit the ground, right? That's when you, that's when you leave the locomotive. Right. Um, so 80,000 engineers, conductors, trainmen, all the railroad workers of all kinds, they left their locomotives, they left their tools, they went to the picket lines. New York oh, yes. City commuter trains were stranded. They started nice. at noon. It was Hell a Friday. Yes, no one could get home yes. there. Dude, if you're if you're if you're gonna do it, make it fucking count. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking rules. <laughs> That's the way you do it, man. Yeah. The idea of a strike as a protest. Yeah, no, a strike is making capital bleed. Mm-hmm. It's about a, in New York City alone. It's about a hundred. A hundred thousand. Where did Roz go? No, not the fucking mic again. Ah, his mic busted. Am I? Am I back? Yeah, you are. Okay. I was going to tell a fun strike story if you were. Please do. The time I went on strike. Hell yeah. Let's hear it. All right. Yeah. I was working at a job. This was four or five years ago for this particular company that shall not be named. I was working on a very large, deep foundation project for a very um, prime time public works uh, project. One, you know, one morning around 7.05, so like five minutes after we got to work and we put our tools on and we started banging away and working or whatever, all of a sudden the shop steward called everybody over and just said, tools down, tools down. So we all did, of course, put your tools down, walk back, sit in the heated shanty for a little bit. Turns out that the company that uh, we were working for, which had 26 projects up and around the five boroughs and the tri-state area, was behind by months on paying the benefits. And I tell you, we shut down every single job this company had, billions of dollars of work and machinery just sitting there. 
shut it down for two, three hours until, of course, all of a sudden this company that said they didn't have the money to pay the benefits couriered a check for $13 million down to the union hall. Yes. And then we fucking took our tools back up. And we went back to our, amazing how they come up with that money when all of a sudden every single job they have oh. is shut the fuck down. That Hold on. Let, let me call accounting. <laughs> <laughs> can you put the probably... gun down can you please put the gun down <laughs> that was that was that was a very powerful moment and we were all just like hell yeah no, that's we beautiful. felt that pretty good mm-hmm. suck shit unnamed uh entity yes <laughs> entity we shall not be named that got completely fucking owned in the course of uh, one morning <laughs> pay your benefits motherfuckers true so this this did exactly as intended Facing the prospect that Fulham would just shut the railroad down immediately, which, by the way, would have eliminated a commuter train service in New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. Um, Your real sort of brinksmanship thing. Your yeah. Sort of nuclear uh, Boston, threat. Yeah. New Haven. Yeah. Uh, Congress passed a resolution within 24 hours, which forcibly ended the strike and ordered the Nixon administration to draw up a plan to save railroads in the Northeast. Within 45 days. Mm. Nixon signed the-, the bill at six in the morning, uh, oh. just after the first commuter train started rolling that morning. <laughs> was, was it? Um, there were still all the regulations and arbitration about striking railways at that point in time, right? It was still under the Railway Act of, what, 19-something or other? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a couple... I'm not sure what the Staggers Act did for unions. I, I, for some reason... One of the problems with researching this stuff is that all, all the railroad, you know, history books are kind of, they discount the, 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 the union aspect, I think, a little bit too much. You know, it's always like, oh, well, the unions cost money and they're bad. So I don't know what the actual, like, labor regulations were, but I know the deregulation was still... 10 That's years weird. off at this the point. The strike notice yeah. just says, Capital can suck my balls. <laughs> yeah. <Shock. laughs> uh, less than 10 years off, excuse me. Three years off. We're going to talk about uh, railroad deregulation in a couple slides. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the Nixon administration, uh, of course, in their plan to save the Northeast Rail Network, they just said, ah, let's let the private sector handle it. So. McDonald and Barnett of Union Pacific and Langdon of Penn Central get to work, right? Mm, sucking their own dicks. Yes. A little dick-sucking cabal. Sure. Yes. So, uh, Jervis Langdon told the New York Times Penn Central had to be cut in half to an 11,000-mile system, which no one liked. Fulham, Judge Fulham, ordered the railroad shut down and sold off by October, October 1st if it didn't turn a profit, right? Um, management continued to escalate the problem, right? Um, Funny how that works. Yeah. Nixon Secretary of Transportation, Claude Bre- Breiniger? Breiniger? Doesn't matter. He's dead. Breiniger? He's dead. Ridiculous he's dead. name. Yeah. Uh, he's, he said there's no problem here. The government has no business bailing out a private company. And his staffers had Little to convince him. are you going him, to learn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That this, his staffers had to tell him, no, this is actually a problem. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Um, so uh, eventually the, the, the DOT put out a report on behalf of the Nixon administration that had everything Langdon and Union Pacific said. 
rails had to be abandoned. They had to eliminate jobs. Only the strongest roots can survive. The alternative was death or worse, nationalization. <laughs> There's that N-word again. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the 70s. <laughs> so there was a bill that was essentially drafted by the AAR and uh, shippers and to a certain extent union leaders called the Regional Rail Reorganization Act, the 3R Act, that uh, was passed and signed by Nixon January 2nd, 1974. The idea was they would create this thing called the United States Railway Association to distinguish it from the previous Ugh. United States Railroad Administration, right? Um, and they would decide what to cut, what to sell, and what to add into a new Consolidated Railroad Corporation, or Conrail, right? It's coming. It's coming. And the real all goal, happening. the real goal was to avoid railroad nationalization at all costs. And it was going to cost them. Hell yes. The unions were in on this, so the unions didn't want nationalization either. The unions were actually pretty well against nationalization because they thought they had a better chance pitting the railroads against each other and pitting them off their uh, financiers. Um, probably they, kind of right. They had done yeah. pretty well with it in the past, and they thought it would continue to work in the future. That, that is not. a 70s union as decision, though. Yes. Uh, this, this it's, is... It's, it's, yeah, this is this is by far the best way I can continue to grow the pension fund. Therefore, that's what I'm going to do. It's worked yeah. to like five guys before me. So it's like a it's like a deeply American unionism way to do it too, mm. because we never had sectoral bargaining here. We always had pattern bargaining. So whoever it was whose contract was up first, who had the most power to make that happen, would basically set the pattern for all the other bargaining units, you know, in different companies. So, like, America's system of labor, you know, has always been very decentralized and sort of competitive in this way. So, it makes yeah. sense. God, you do, you do competition in unions. That's, that's a terrible <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah, it makes the unions yeah. more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Cuts wasted. Uh, the reason uh, we're such a great union is our low labor costs. <laughs> you would not believe the 70s porn stash I can grow. <laughs> All right. So now that Jim McClellan had done M-Track, right, he was hmm. put in charge of actually pruning the Conrail system. Yeah, you have right? to wield this axe. Yes. Um, and this was extremely unpopular, right? Because there was previously there was a sort of abstract idea of pruning the system, right? Now McClellan had to go into the map and say which lines were going away. He actually had to take service away from like this paper plant, but this yeah. other paper plant would have it, and or these this workers little town. Be, yeah, yeah, this town would be okay. These workers would have a job. These ones wouldn't. Oof. Yes. <laughs> so. And 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 McClellan had some problems while he was doing this. Um, I believe he still had McKinsey with him. Oh, gee. <laughs> well, that's sure to help. 
Well, the weird thing, like, <laughs> it's like all of the McKinsey guys just get locked themselves in an office, and you just hear like gunshots and like dog noises <laughs> the whole night. You're like these guys aren't helping at all. <laughs> Why isn't this team of bloodless ghouls giving me a hand? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so they they had some problems because they were they were nominally working with the Department of Transportation, um, the United States Railway Association was supposed to be the one who made the final decision. Um, but they were sort of relying on the Department of Transportation to tell them what to do. Um, so we they're are in a serious muddling through situation here. Yes, they're muddling they're, through this fucking thing. And one sort of like apportioning of blame. Yeah. Yeah. One of their first uh, meetings went disastrously because they did a computer simulation of the entire railroad. It. And uh, all the numbers <laughs> came out backwards and no one could figure out what was going on. Oh, that's horrific. <laughs> Thing says there's six railroads in the United States. <laughs> Guys just taking punch cards out of the computer and crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to this, there's 444 carloads that come out of this town at 35 people <laughs> each day. Um, there were shippers who came out and interfered all the time. A uh, big one was Purdue Industries, you know, the, the, the chicken guys. Oh, they yeah. Were, Remarkably had, evil. They had a chicken plant, I want to say in Salisbury, Maryland, which was the only industry on a 225 mile, a 225 mile branch line. A 225 mile an hour line into a chicken plant. Into a chicken plant, yeah. I'm just imagining like a nuclear sized explosion of chicken feathers. (laughs) Listen, do you want high speed rail in America or not? (laughs) We cannot offer you a three hour trip from New York to DC, but we can offer you 200 something mile per hour train flying into a factory filled with live chickens. Wow, you saw the movie Chicken Run. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to keep this 225-mile uh, line open to serve the chicken plant, and they got it. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did weeks and weeks and weeks of work, because this all happened really quickly. That's, that's the, one of the weird ones here. Sure. Um, you know, eventually McClellan and some other guys from the FRA after they had been really, really trying hard to do like data-driven decisions, they just got everyone in the room with a big board and an orange highlighter. And they're like, okay, this route goes, this one doesn't. (laughs) Just throwing darts at a dartboard. Basically, yeah. It's funny because like for all the fears of nationalization, this creates far more distortions than anything else would. You're just like, get a bunch of like stakeholders in a room and have them fight out who's going to get the thing. Like if you nationalize it, you just keep everything running, build up the plan, get it going. But this is like what the conservatives say. They, they, they hate so much, you know, like jockeying for pork barrel and all that stuff. Also, you also, you didn't have to nationalize. Yeah. So this, this was issued as the, uh, what became infamous as the orange line report. They sent it to Congress. Everyone hated it and was unhappy. Right? Well, it has bipartisan consensus, then. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The, the United States Railway Association was making the decisions. And a report from the Department of Transportation sort of emphasized this, right? So this is just a recommendation, right? This is not the final network. Uh, so DOT took the heat, right? Um, 
and and then and then USRA could make their own decisions. And they had definitely some problems here. Um because it was they didn't know if they were going to are we going to run this as one big corporation or are we going to try and carve it up into mm. multiple railroads right because we start with one big railroad five small railroads do we end with one big railroad or do we try and preserve competition i'm, d- I'm doing air quotes here mm-hmm. yeah the, the appearance of competition yeah the appearance mm-hmm. of competition right where they're really looking at competition, Philadelphia, New York City, um, sometimes Pittsburgh, a little bit Danbury, of Buffalo. Danbury, Connecticut. Danbury is getting Danbury a new haven. Danbury versus Danbury 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Danbury 2 might take some of that hat business. Yeah, that's right. We this is true, that. yeah. Um, so McClellan and his assistant, Ger- Gerald Davies, they come up with a plan. We're going to give the area Lackawanna, which is not on this map for some reason, because sort of like, uh, actually, something like that, right? We're going to give that. I'm surprised to, you didn't use the orange pen. That would have made sense. Uh, we're going to give the area Lackawanna, the Norfolk and Western, and $500 million. We're going to give the Reading and the Central Railroad in New Jersey to the Chessie system and $500 million and $2 billion of low interest federal loans. Uh, Everybody's right. getting quite a lot of like cash in hand out of everyone's getting a lot of money, yeah. <laughs> and this insurance going in and like blonde bimbos are coming out the back. <laughs> 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 and this ensures competition in at least New York and most of Pennsylvania, right? Mm. And Jack Fishwick, who had previously been interested in the area Lackawanna, the Norfolk and Western guy, he was like, now that it was actually being offered to him, he was like. I'm not touching that unless you indemnify me against any losses. Um, Which is a, a ridiculous thing to ask, right? Because it's... <laughs> it's it's, it's free railroad. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's less than free. We're paying you to take this railroad. <laughs> yes, but I need guarantees that like, I'm not going to lose no, a cent. No. <laughs> I guess it reflects like a real sort of crisis in confidence in railroads. So Fishwick would later go on a record as saying that what the other solvent railroads need to do oh boy. is set up a firewall from like Pittsburgh to Baltimore. And no one goes beyond this point. What? <laughs> Everything else is like abandoned as yes. wasteland. Suck shit, Chicago. <laughs> all these all, all these uh all these lands are yours except Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont. New Hampshire, <laughs> Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Maine. Just absolutely arbitrary. Those provinces. <laughs> yeah. La- land, no trains there. <laughs> so Hayes Watkins of the Chessie system said something similar, right? Even with the upfront offers of cash, low interest loans, so on and so forth, right? Um, and while this horse trading was going on, the railroad network was continuing to deteriorate, right? A new phrase came into the railroad lexicon, which was the standing derailment, right? Oof. That doesn't sound like a positive that phrase. Bad. We have a boxcar sitting in the yard. Suddenly the track gives way underneath it. Oh, <laughs> the tracks are just subsiding they're, away? Yeah, they're Jesus. just like, like a rail falls over, because it can't oh, take the... <laughs> 
Uh, this is around the time when that infamous uh, Penn Central 1976 video comes out where they try and convince the government that they need federal funding, the one where the, the boxcar just falls off the tracks in front of the camera that everyone, everyone who <laughs> oh, filmed oh, that yeah. swears <laughs> was not staged. <laughs> and at this point, they that, have no man. reason to lie. So <laughs> I, I, I want to believe. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have tracks out of service. You have yards that are, that are jammed. Repairs and maintenance were desert, uh, deferred. There were thousands and thousands of miles of slow orders, right? You know, you have these situations where there'll be like 70, 80 miles of dead straight track. And you have to go 10 miles an hour on the whole thing. Um, Jesus. <laughs> no one shipped by rail unless they had to. Right? Hmm. Um, so again, this is a very urgent problem. And McClellan and his folks at the FRA were really driven here by trying to create competition in the Northeast, right? Um, you know, they couldn't just turn this all into one railroad. Because without competition, right, the new consolidated railroad corporation, it would become lazy and inefficient, right? <laughs> yeah, it's almost <laughs> Soviet in nature. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Unlike the current system we have where fucking entire berms and fucking railway ties are just <laughs> crumbling into dust in front of us. Right. Yeah. A, yeah, but they're doing yeah. it freedomly. Well, right. if it if it were if it were inefficient. It would be like the European railroads, which are also inefficient, and that's why they were nationalized, right? Mm. That's what I think of when I think of European railroads as inefficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. a boxcar falling over for no reason, yeah. Mm. So in blackface for some reason. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, the offers to solvent railroads fell apart. You know, the Chessie didn't want it, Norfolk and Western didn't want it. He didn't have very much to work on to create this competition he wanted. Um, and he just started to turn to chain smoking and drinking bourbon in his office while he tried to, like, make all these dots connect, right? Understandable. <laughs> just slowly, slowly driving himself insane. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, the, orig- the original plan to sell part of it to the Chessie in Norfolk and Western was uh, created in the bar in the first floor of the USRA <laughs> building. Nice. That's how business was done. Yes, mm-hmm. it's true. You finally Real back of the napkin uh, percentages agreement. Type. Yes. <laughs> finally, when he was supposed to when he was supposed to deliver this report to uh, the USRA directors, give a long, very elaborate and detailed and boring uh, presentation, and was forced to admit that Conrail was going to have to be one big railroad. <laughs> Like, there's no other way we can do this. To stave off nationalization, we must do a single, large, sort of quasi-state. <laughs> well, we're not calling it nationalization, so leave me alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the new Secretary of Transportation, William T. Coleman, was furious about this, right? He pressured the USRA to, USRA to go ahead with something he called controlled transfer, right? They're just going to split the railroad and, uh, you know, someone's going to buy it, right? Um, he okay. almost he almost reached the deal with the Chessie system and the Southern Railway for certain parts of the system. The Southern Railway, in particular, I'm going to switch to green for this. Remember that 225 mile branch line? I do. They wanted that. 
Huh. Mm, the chicken run. Yes, because they, <laughs> they had a car float that went from Cape Charles to uh, Norfolk, right? And that, they could theoretically serve that profitably. But the other thing is, once they had a foothold in Wilmington, they could get all that sweet, sweet chemical traffic. And mm. then eventually convince yeah. Delicious someone. benzines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they could convince someone to bring that down the Northeast Corridor uh, onto their main line. Um, they almost reached this deal, but it fell apart because the Southern wouldn't agree to the Union demands, right? That they would, that for crews operating on former Penn Central territory, you'd still get the Penn Central pay and the Penn Central benefits. Mm. They wanted to abrogate the contract, obviously. Oh, yeah. Started new. yeah. And they, well, they tried something clever to, um, Cool. They, they, I, love, they, I love when a union tries something clever. Gen- no, just no, the railroad tried something clever oh, and it backfired. Oh, wow. So, Coleman, transportation secretary, was facilitating negotiations, but he knew there was one meeting where one of the big union guys, Fred Kroll, who uh, represented the clerks, right? He wasn't going to be there. Later he was, went on to make the Kroll show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was... He wasn't going to be there. And Coleman was like, well, why don't you use the Southern Railway's corporate jet to get to the meeting? Jesus uh, Christ. Quicker, right? Motherfucker, there's trains right there. You're literally <laughs> in charge of the trains. Get out of fucking train. I hate every time you hear a railroad guy in a plane. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, they, um, they started the meeting with the uh, leaders of, I want to say there were 22 unions in total. And there were about 12 of them there. Kroll had, was in charge of one of the biggest ones. And Coleman was like really close to coming to some kind of agreement to let the Southern get this one branch line without the, uh, all, the, all the union benefits, right? And he was like, we're really close. He phoned the pilot of the private aircraft, right? And he said, listen, just keep it in the air an extra 30 minutes. I think we got something here. And the pilot was like, okay. But it turned out the pilot hit the wrong button. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) The curse of the Pennsylvania Railroad. No one knows how to use a fucking speakerphone. (laughs) And it went out over the PA system on the airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Just this union guy just fuming in the back of a private plane. So yeah, the deal was off. Um, yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh my god! After they committed some technical kidnapping, they need to like they need to like put make the PA Label button the like buttons. big and red. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not push unless you really mean it. <laughs> maybe maybe the pilot was sympathetic to the union. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Solidaristic pilot. Mm. Um, Coleman was also working to erode the power of the USRA, the ICC, have restructuring brought under DOT control, because he also wanted control over some of the Midwest railroads that were also starting to fail, right? Um, A lot of that going around in the 70s. Yeah. And and so, finally, you know, this, this, nothing was happening. No progress was being made anywhere. A representative of 10 major Penn Central shippers named Charles Walker decided, he was from Texas, of course. Of course. He decided what we need to do is give White House Chief of Staff Dick Cheney a call. <laughs> oh, wow. 
It's so Blast weird how all of the these past. guys just keep showing up. <laughs> just keep showing just up. Keep I history. Just keep, I, I'm 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 thinking about crafting a new conspiracy theory. Mm. I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna workshop it. Where was Dick later. Cheney in uh, on November eleventh, nineteen sixty three? I mean <laughs> uh, November twenty second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sucking the blood out of children. Yeah, but in which city? Because if it was in uh, Dallas, Dallas, I have some further questions. Yeah. Dallas. So this was this was uh. You know when Dick Cheney shot that guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, his friend, was, yeah. and then yeah. made his friend Re- apologize to him on national TV. <laughs> I'm sorry I stood in front of your shotgun <laughs> and took that blast. Oh, like no, idiot. sorry. In November of 1962, at the age of 21, Cheney was convicted of DUI. Ah. Huh. That wasn't a crime back then. No, you had to be no. really fucked up to get yeah. convicted of that. No, sorry. Yeah, cut that. Cut that. Yeah, okay. Thank you. So, Dick Cheney, apparently, if you called him at exactly 7.30 in the morning, he would answer the phone himself. Any other time, I don't know. What? That's bizarre. (laughs) I don't get that. So, Dick Cheney answers the phone. He's like, what can I do, Charlie? What's cooking? And, uh, And Charles Walker says, how would you like all the trains in the Northeast to stop running on the day before the New Hampshire primary? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that is fucking leverage right there, man. Hey, motherfucker. <laughs> so Gerald Ford signed the Railroad Revitalization and Regulatory Why did I think Reform Dick Act. Was dead? What? No, I don't think no. he is. He's not. But I just checked his Wikipedia. I could have sworn he was dead. I like how we went. No, we went to like uh, Gerald Ford signing the thing, like he did it ten minutes later. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it's February fifth. Um, over the protests of his own transporta- transportation secretary, um, and Conrail began uh, began operating on April first, nineteen seventy five. Nice. Woof. Now, problem solved, boys. Yeah, problem Wipe solved. Wipe our hands, and nothing bad will happen again. That's right. While while it was while it was now one big railroad, Conrail was in fact provided with competition. Right. Oh no. The USRA the direct, quest to create competition. The quest to create competition. <laughs> they found. Let me switch to blue here. It's so funny. This is the most American thing ever. We're going to centrally plan the absence of central planning. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. They found the only solvent railroad in the Northeast, which was the Delaware and Hudson. The Delaware and Hudson went from Wilkesboro to Albany to Montreal. That is a trash railroad. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no offense to any yeah. Quebecers up there, but oof. And they're like, all right, you have trackage rights to New York, Philadelphia, <laughs> and uh, Alexandria now. Today's your lucky day. <laughs> right, Rebel, you get to Philly, duck. <laughs> it's just like three guys in a room. Just oh, wait, I forgot. Also, <laughs> Buffalo. Oh, no. <laughs> oh well, that's really prepared them then. Yeah. Bills, baby, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, right. And they ran one train a day on each of those lines. Oh, suck my dick! <laughs> Fantastic. All right, give me a second. I'm going to use the restroom. There's your competition. Yeah. That's amazing. Hi, it's Justin. 
Uh, so this is a commercial for the podcast that you're already listening to. Uh, people are annoyed by these, so let me get to the point. We have this thing called Patreon, right? The deal is you give us two bucks a month, and we give you an extra episode once a month. Uh, sometimes it's a little inconsistent, but, you know, it's two bucks. You get what you pay for. Um, it also gets you our full back catalog of bonus episodes, so you can learn about exciting topics like guns, pickup trucks, or pickup trucks with guns on them. The money we raise through Patreon goes to making sure that the only ad you hear on this podcast is this one. Anyway, that's something to consider if you have two bucks to spare each month. Uh, join at patreon.com forward slash WTYPpod. Do it if you want. Or don't. It's your decision, and we respect that. Back to the show. The Delaware the, uh, Hudson. Uh, the D and H had some pretty the... sick paint schemes, though. I'm gonna Google this. Hold on. Oh, I'm gonna look at look at it. Delaware, Delaware Hudson Railway. Ah, oh, that is nice, actually. Yeah, it's got I the really like, like the uh, shield, the like sort of like chevron down the front kind of thing. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, always had a soft spot for D and H's. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Oh no, I'm on the Wikipedia article. I'm about to get some spoilers. <laughs> there's, no there's, spoilers. There's, there's, there's a photo here of uh, uh, two D uh, like uh, PA ones, uh, like running over the rustiest trestle in the world, mm-hmm. belching like totally black smoke. That Alco I'm just gonna put smoke, in the baby. Alco just gonna, smoke. <laughs> just gonna put that in the uh, in the old Twitter group chat there. Hell yeah. They're rolling coal. Oh, they really are. Like, one of them is, like, visibly- the one behind is visibly darker, which is very funny. <laughs> wow, that is smoky. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's very, very smoky. <laughs> oh, that is- uh, oh boy, that is smoky. Of course, since we're in the, the, the 70s, we have a bicentennial uh, livery as well, which I really like a lot. It's, like, so- mm-hmm. Are we looking uh, at pictures of uh, Delaware and Hudson trains? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, put, I put a couple We're of them in the, in the in the Twitter chat. Uh, I, really I, I like found DNH a couple liveries. of a couple of Alco PA ones with the smokiest exhausts. Yeah, Alco oh, smoke, DNH, baby. Uh, the DNH Alcos look really good. They just ripped off the uh, Santa Fe and painted yeah. it blue instead. Mm. Looks very nice. Oh yeah, just roiling cloud of like perfectly black smoke. Yes. That's how you know trains there. It, 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 that railroad lasted a surprisingly long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Canadian Pacific. Yes. Right? It was CP, not CN. Uh, yeah, Canadian Pacific bought most of that line, or at least Albany to Montreal, because the rest of the railroad wasn't real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. That whole one train a day thing that you left. Yes. So, okay. Now this this is now a government run railroad, right? Socialism has been achieved. Socialism yes. has been achieved. Yeah, the fondest dream yes. of this podcast. We can shut it down. Are in power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the dictatorship of the class. You got the big blue locomotives too. Like it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's blue for the Democrats who do socialism. <laughs> That's yes. right. Yeah, <laughs> Biden's America, man. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a big difference between a government run railroad. 
in a nationalized railroad and 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 whatever Conrail was, right? Oh sure. Um and Conrail's this sort of monster, right? To start out with. Some rough beast slouching <laughs> towards Bethlehem to be born. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um that's really a, good. <laughs> Go mountain it, hawks, baby. <laughs> How do you have this encyclopedic knowledge of which team is where? Because uh, Lehigh's in Bethlehem. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So, in sort of size and organization, it's monstrous. It's this. It's a private corporation. It's incorporated as a private corporation. It's just the government owns eighty-five percent of shares. And it's like a private venture. The government's oh, sure. been been on the day trading. This is also technically how Amtrak is arranged. Except the government owns a hundred percent of the shares. Um, employees own the remaining fifteen percent of shares in Conrail. Um, it was directed to be profitable, and what is in exactly as bad shape as the Penn Central that preceded it. Oh, okay. Yes, we order you to be profitable. Yes. <laughs> By its third year, it was still posting a million dollar loss each day, which again seems pretty. <laughs> quaint in this era of uber yeah, i was gonna say it works for uber yeah. what's the fucking yeah. problem <laughs> if they only had some angel investors or the VC government of Qatar. Yeah. Yes. if we made if we made this more tech then i think we could really like if we disrupted the railroad train dot lee yeah <laughs> it, it did have an angel investor the government Get <laughs> <laughs> most of the same people and most of the same grudges uh, your operating subsidies didn't cover operating costs. Deferred maintenance continued to be deferred. And the pruning that was supposed to make the network profitable just didn't happen. That's right. too so difficult. Maintenance deferred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you have actually somebody to blame, right? This is yeah. true. Instead of like competing different agencies and associations or whatever, there's now like an actual. Uh, there's actual schmucks running the thing. Yes. <laughs> right. There was some consolidation of operations. Um, but they did not let go of employees because it was too expensive. So at, at like the Buffalo terminal where all six railroads that had been merged into Conrail had, uh, uh, uh terminals there. Um, uh, most locomotive engineers who lived in Buffalo were just being paid to stay at home. Nice. So this Universal is, basic oh, income brackets yeah. railroads. Yes. <laughs> they have gotten the bag. This is simultaneously the best and worst time to be a railroad employee in American history. <laughs> well, because the severance package that Penn Central had agreed to um, under Stuart Saunders was basically that if you were laid off as a result of a merger, they would pay you not your base wage, but your average pay. Until you Hell reach yeah. the age of 65. Fuck. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's beautiful. I love it. And because, <laughs> and because they relied so heavily on overtime. Yes. It was that's like added out. It's like a New York City police sergeant. Totally you know? cool. <laughs> that's why you have fucking like retired cops, 56 year olds down in South Florida. 
sitting there drinking cold beer, making one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year on their pension because they racked up like a hundred hours a week of overtime in the last three years. So their average salary was like two hundred thousand. It's like yes. why a bunch of uh, why a bunch of cops retired after nine eleven is because they all worked a shit ton more hours and it boosted all of their uh, exactly. their pensions. Yeah, if it's good for the pigs, it's good for the railway. Workers. That's right. That's true. That's true. Are we going to talk about railroad retirement at all? Um, as opposed to social, the one opposed to social security, or we or you would that? you would eventually you would also be getting railroad retirement, obviously oh, after. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh man, so, that so I what a life. Try, yeah, fuck the up, government, fuck up, and fuck up some commas, man. The 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 four R Act said the government would uh, cover base pay in in a situation where someone was laid off. But if you did like four years in like the Air Force or something in between Korea and Vietnam, you could have like <laughs> gone your entire career working very little, had every single need met by a different like union or government <laughs> agency, and just lived the rest of your life in like total indigence. Yeah. <laughs> It's like hacking yes. capitalism. It's just like <laughs> that—that's the perfect sort of like window of time and space to do that. It's perfect. And that's why houses are seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars now, right? Yeah. yeah, and you can you can you can raise all of your kids to believe deeply in their own self-reliance and stuff. Right. Yeah. So it was cheaper for the railroad to uh, keep the employees on and pay them to do nothing <laughs> rather than pay them severance. Greatest country on earth, oh, baby. Yeah. Even with the government. <laughs> Uh, covering base pay for anyone laid off, they just use that much overtime. <laughs> this is what they took from us, man. I'm, I'm a return guy for this sort of setup. There was a time where you could fall into like some giant, unwieldy mega corporation or like public corporation like Ma Bell or whatever. You could end up in like a basement office. You know, nobody even knows you work there. Yeah. You're making $60,000 a year. You have all these like fucking tasks that just no one ever checks on if they're done it, and somehow you retire at 55 with a full, full pension and health care for the rest of your life this is what they took with them from us we have to return i'm sorry actually to owing to the merger we have to give you this yacht <laughs> it's actually more expensive because if we fire you for cause we have to give you two yachts so like <laughs> oh man um the third world Maoists were right about the 1970s <laughs> and the fucking labor aristocracy. They're not right anymore, but this was a real aristocracy of labor. <laughs> a lot of the departments in Conrail didn't coordinate. For instance, um, the sales department found a shipper who wanted to move livestock by rail from Chicago to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Whoa. then truck them to the, sh uh, to the slaughterhouse, right? Um, and livestock cars are a pain to handle, right? Mm. You know, you got to clean them after each trip. You got to move the train really fast. You got to feed and water the livestock every 33 hours by law to prevent the livestock from dying before they're supposed to, right? Oh. Um, so once the sales department had this guy like, yeah, you should ship by rail. It'll be great, right? Uh, the operations department got wind of it. And they're like, we're not handling livestock. And so they demolished the la livestock pens in Lancaster before the deal was signed. Jesus. <laughs> Don't worry, we have more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because of 
the archaic regulatory structure, right? Conrail was being denied full rates for various shipments, right? Freight rates were regulated by the ICC on a per mile basis. And that meant if you were a shipper and you had friends on another railroad, you could slide them some cash if you wanted by going an indirect route. Famous example is there was a lot of paper that was going from Mobile, Alabama to the Northeast. Paper again, man. Yeah. yeah. This paper yeah. connection, man, it's crazy. Yeah. We're going to learn that Dick Cheney owned all the paper. <laughs> yeah. Or something like That's that. the Koch brothers. It's a vast conspiracy. God, it really was, oh, wasn't it? The yeah. Koch brothers, the Irvings. Um, I think Coke, Coke, is Coke Industries Georgia Pacific? Yes. I forget. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So paper from Mobile, Alabama to the Northeast. I don't know where in the Northeast. Um, I, a, a lot of the big source for this podcast is a book called The Men Who Love Trains. I used the uh, Wreck of the Penn Central earlier. That one only covered the first two years. This one goes all the way to Conrail. Um, so, but their example is like, okay, well, some shippers were shipping paper from Mobile, Alabama to the Northeast. Let's say they're shipping to Philadelphia, right? Logically, you would take the Gulf Mobile in Ohio to Montgomery. You'd ship the Southern Railway to Potomac Yard in Alexandria. You'd ship Conrail to Philadelphia, right? But if you had a friend on, let's say, the Illinois Central, you ship that paper on the Gulf Mobile in Ohio to New Orleans. You ship the Illinois Central from New Orleans to Chicago, which is the longest run they have, and they make the most money off of that. Mm. And then you ship on the Chessie system to Philadelphia. And then Conrail gets the full rate to haul those cars 1,800 feet to their destination and then Good. is charged for car rental fees. Good. <laughs> so the quest, the quest for competition has created the worst of all possible worlds. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so easy to rob the government. It's and so, so easy to rob, to rob your, the government. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so on these kinds of shipments, and there were a whole lot of them all over the country, Conrail actively lost money, right? <laughs> I mean, there were a lot, there were a lot of kinds of shipments on the railroads at that time, which you would lose money on, and you were required to take them, that this is an interstate commerce commission thing. But now, now that Conrail's government, people are really bilking them. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Take them for all they're worth. Yeah. They're losing a million dollars a day. Let's make it two. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Sean, like a challenge. Double or nothing, KB. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I tell you, if I was one of these engineers in 1974, man, oof. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm dreaming of that. I just popped a Narragansett, and now I'm just dreaming <laughs> about being a 1974 railway worker. <laughs> all downhill from there <laughs> so they were they were taking it we neighbor. used, to, we used to not build things in this country yeah. <laughs> we, used to be a, we used to be a proper country i say as i defraud the government out of 30 million dollars in 26 days <laughs> so there was there was a proposal from the conrail planning department which was still full of mckinsey guys oh god Actually, get paid if, not to shoot dogs. What if we deregulated the railroad industry? Stop doing that. <laughs> no. Um. So, the 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 idea of deregulation for the railroad industry is okay. Railroads can set their own rates. They can negotiate with shippers, right? 
um, you're gonna you're you're not gonna allow the shippers to go the do these circuitous routes anymore. And a lot of the railroads were against it. They thought it was a terrible idea, especially the Southern Railway, because they they made a lot of money pulling this shit and the Norfolk and Western ripping off because, the government. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The Norfolk and Western also because under the under the current rate structure, because they were mostly hauling coal for export, they could charge anything they wanted for anything. Um, because if you run like a, a a relatively efficient railroad at this point in time, you're still making money, right? If you're oh, yeah. like in that anthracite coal and you're getting it out for export, you can yeah. still make bank. It's just the Northeast is a cluster. Yeah, the Northeast is terrible. Uh, not anthracite, bituminous. Anthracite's bituminous. dead. Bituminous. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're uh, using the worst yeah. coal now, which yeah. will not come back to haunt us. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna move. I mean, probably right after the story ends is when we move to. Uh, What's it? The uh, what's the shitty the the coal in Wyoming? Tar, tar sands? No, or, no. There's uh, I forget. I forget the word. It is a type of bituminous coal. It's not brown coal, but it's worse than East Coast bituminous. The Wyoming coal. It is low sulfur, but it's low energy density. Uh, EPA regulations ironically led to a lot of coal uh, power plants moving to Wyoming coal, which is. Worse in a CO2 sense, but better in a sulfur sense. That's a whole episode right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, coal probably deserves a well, there's your problem. Mm. <laughs> it is apparently just sub bituminous. That makes sense. I mean, the, 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 yeah, wh- the, the whole Wyoming coal situation is uh, the Powder River Wackadoodle, base and stuff yeah. is, yeah, it's weird. Um, so, Anyway, there was some lobbying that went on um, because a lot of railroads thought deregulation would hurt them financially. Western railroads, especially, they were making so much money off of long hauls. Uh, So this have this weird sort of thing where you have like capitalists going like, don't deregulate me, and you have unions going, don't nationalize me. Yes. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Strange bedfellows. Yeah. But at least... At least, um, what no socialist ideology does to America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, at least at the Chessy system, and um, really just the Chessy system, they were like, "Yeah, deregulation is a great idea." Conrail, I thought deregulation probably a good idea. Um, I didn't quite figure out exactly how the lobbying worked, but after a lot of cajoling, a lot of the 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 Association of American Railroads, notably at gunpoint, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They agreed to support the bill, the Staggers Rail Act of 1980, right? Yeah, it's when the car falls over. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the previous regulatory structure did allow for a sort of informal cartelization of rates. They couldn't do that anymore. Um, But, you know, a lot of these these railroad owners realized that they were also being screwed over by shippers who were going circuitously, all this stuff like that. computerized car tracking help with that um so with the staggers act the railroad could negotiate their own rates with shippers they could set their own rates they could route cars however they wanted to it also significantly reduced the power of the interstate commerce commission to Mm. regulate things like mergers and abandonment of branch lines right all under uh democrat jimmy carter yes 1980 the president who never did anything bad but yeah Of take, <laughs> yeah. Before you blame Ronald Reagan for neoliberalism, <laughs> <laughs> also blame Reagan. But like, 
Mm-hmm. It's everybody, we'll, we'll, folks. We'll, we'll get to Reagan. Um, well, I wish John Hinckley would have. <laughs> I'm going to see him in concert in uh, this. Nice. I really like their justification nice. that, like, well, Hinckley tried to kill a lot less people than Reagan did, so we don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I'm going to shake Hinckley's hand and I'm going to say thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they're going to get guy mad who, at us guy. in the comments, baby. <laughs> guy who gets a time machine and the first thing he does is take Hinkley to target practice. <laughs> I thought the Secret Service guy saved him. Hinkley? Yeah, guy who takes a time machine and doesn't kill baby Hitler, kills baby Secret Service guy. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> I hope I don't get you guys <laughs> delisted from YouTube. My God. One. I, you know, you know, you know what? You know what? We don't have advertisers. We, I don't care if we get demonetized. We're not monetized don't in the first place. Right. Right. The only yeah, ads that you hear is this one. Yep. Yes. So now that we have free reign, let me tell you what other president should have gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, George Washington. Number two, Thomas <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> Number three, John Adams. No, 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 wait a second. Adams was an abolitionist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a soft spot for John Adams. I'm sorry. Well, Bill Clinton was the first black president, but I still think he should be redacted. Oh, yeah, he should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No question about it. So, Conrail's first president, Ed Jordan, had successfully integrated the management side of all five railroads to a certain extent, right? And uh, he invested in plant and equipment, and the railroad failed to turn around. Um, Completely burnt out by 1980, he left to teach at Cornell University. Right. Oh, that's that's when that's you know a man is really at his lowest. Yeah, that's yeah. when you go when, when you're burnt <laughs> yeah. out is Cornell. Yeah, Ithaca. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Stanley Crane, who was a former Southern Railway president and staunch opponent of deregulation, became the president of Conrail on January 1st, 1981. But he made his mark days before by standing off with a New England union local who was fighting a cruise size reduction. Um, they threatened to strike on Christmas Eve and oh, stop yeah. all trains on the Northeast leverage, Corridor. Baby. Yeah. Yes, leverage, baby. Well, fuck the children. Coal and all the fucking <laughs> stockings. <laughs> Subbituminous coal. Yeah. yeah. Direct coal and stockings, but we kind of want that. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Crane told his union relations guy, he was like, hey, fuck them, let them strike. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the man, the, the, he, because he was the Grinch. Apparently. He was the Grinch, apparently. Yeah, um, and the union postponed to the day after Christmas. Pussies, pussies, uh, cowards, boo. And then to New Year's, and boo. then called it off entirely. Pathetic. Boo. They reduced the crew sizes. Thanks for mm, nothing. That'll dickhead. happen if you yeah. don't. If you're not willing to ruin Christmas to get Use what you want, leverage. you won't. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's there for. Guys, a lesson. Ruin this is a lesson Christmas. Learned. That's right. Well, when always. in doubt, ruin Christmas. Always ruin Christmas. A B R C. Always be ruining Christmas. <laughs> don't let capital be the Grinch. Yeah, Labor right. has to ruin Christmas first. <laughs> so his second act was to kick out all the McKinsey guys. 
Well, I mean, that's uh, something. Uh, sort of feeling a bit like Tito here, you know, or Gaddafi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like on the one hand, eh, but on the other hand, <laughs> we made him feel bad Some first. Pete Buttigieg-looking <laughs> motherfucker with like uh, big sideburns and crazy mop hair murdered seven dogs. On that <laughs> <laughs> well, well. So the uh, Conrail was headquartered. I'm not sure if it was at Suburban Station or 1701 Market Street in Philadelphia, but one of those two buildings. The first thing they did was take them out of the top floor and boot them down to the eighth floor. That's what happens when you don't use your leverage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and yeah, the then, McKinsey guys are going to strike and stop killing dogs over Christmas. <laughs> I actually keep a beloved Christmas dead dog. I remember being very confused when I worked. You remember when I worked it on the uh, what was it three uh, Logan Circle and and Conrail was there for some reason. Uh, it sounds about right because there's still a bunch of Conrail offices for yeah. what's left of Conrail there. Yeah, because a couple of those buildings in one Penn Center were entirely like Pennsylvania Railroad and then Penn Central buildings. Right. Seventeen oh one Market was entirely Penn Central. That's the ugliest building in Philadelphia, by the it's way. It's terrible. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> Google this real quick. It's really bad. It continues to do business as an asset management and network services provider in three shared asset areas that were excluded from the division of its operations during its acquisition by CSX Corporation. Oh, wow, that is a hideous building. We told you. Yeah, hold on. Let me make sure we're we're, we're thinking of the same building. I sort of guessed the address. Uh, The one that looks like a sort of multi-level car park. It looks like a parking garage, yeah. Yeah. But like if a parking garage was run by the NSA. Right, yes. This was uh this was <laughs> built by the Pennsylvania Railroad right before the merger. Uh yeah. Well they had eight dollars to do it, yeah. Terrible building. Um anyway, so the first thing uh Crane did was demote the McKinsey guys from the top floor to the eighth floor, and then a Good. month later he fired them all. Um Joe his boss. It made him oh, feel yeah. bad first though. Um, <laughs> Good based. He, yeah, he then started uh, uh, ripping up unnecessary track really aggressively, like That's Al good. Perlman did. But he did it on the Pennsylvania side, which has so far been immune to this kind of cost cutting. Right? He was the guy who reduced Horseshoe Curve to three tracks, as we see here. Pathetic. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and this was sacrilege to the old Pennsylvania Railroad guys. They were like, this was this was like demolishing the Vatican. (laughs) (laughs) Reduced the carver to three tracks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The the main lines were all modernized. They started using lower maintenance rail. Um, They they started introducing centralized traffic control, which again, the unions had opposed previously because it would have meant fewer people on the job. Um, But like also, it is kind of safer. And at this point, I don't, they're breaking the power of labor. Mm. Yeah. Um, Bold 1980s. Yeah. They got new railroad traffic, especially trailer on flat car container traffic. You know, old unprofitable traffic was demarketed. He started lobbying Congress to end lifetime stipends to laid off workers. Oh, oh yeah. shit. Oh, man. And to get Conrail yeah. out of the commuter train business. Even worse. Yeah. Uh, both of which worked. Uh, he got one last bailout from Congress, three hundred million dollars from Ronald Reagan. Wow, yeah. the small government That's guy. Really yeah, blood from a stone. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, it's impressive. 
And it's he like, started, what did he do? Tell him he was going to spend it on fucking Stinger missiles? No, Death Squad tells. No. Uh, there, there was like a weird relationship with um, the Reagan administration to um, former Republican stalwart, the uh, Pennsylvania Railroad. Um, do you think uh, they explored each other's yeah. bodies? But this was supposed to be the last bailout. <laughs> there would be no question. more bailouts. Right? I'm being and silenced. This is when he starts making the hard moves on labor. Right? Because you're starting to like finally bring like the actual capitalist imperative to bear on this shit. You're finally yeah. breaking through. You're finally using the algorithm to fuck the workers. Mm. In our good socialist railroad, of all things. Yeah. <laughs> Can anybody hear me? Or am I yes, we hear Okay, I was making jokes to myself. All right, cool, got it. Weird. No, I was asking if Ronald Reagan and the, the railroad ever explored each other's bodies, but I couldn't tell if Ross was just trying to ignore me. <laughs> yeah i would believe that some sort of bohemian grove shit because reagan was a california yeah. guy yeah no absolutely T tying ronald reagan's body to the track and letting the rail the railroad explore <laughs> <laughs> as sean waxes his mustache <laughs> Oh, don't don't make Ronald Reagan into Penelope Pitstop. Come on. No, that's not. No. <laughs> so God, I've for Penelope several presidents <laughs> to death. So <laughs> Who's next on my head? Just, just secret service agent just like pinching the bridge of his nose, being like, so you're gonna you're gonna put Ronald Reagan in a Penelope Pitstop outfit. <laughs> Time to horseshoe curve. <laughs> and then uh, Norfolk Southern does the thing where they put a train on the ground in a horseshoe curve, which is fucking yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penn Central never managed that one. So, March 1st, 1980, Crane releases a statement. With the commuter trains gone, with the deregulation and new rates, with the reduction in physical plant, all of this stuff, Conrail was still $200 million short of profitability. Which means... 12% across the board wage cut. Fuck you, Motherfuckers. Bud. Yeah. Fuck you, bud. That's how they get you. Eat my holes. Yep. Mm. <laughs> so the Secretary of Transportation, Drew Lewis, is like, this is my chance. Uh, he's uh, the guy who also oversaw the uh, uh, PATCO strike and fired every air traffic controller in America. Um, <laughs> Drew Lewis is like, this is my chance. We're going to sell off Conrail in chunks. I'm going to do some ghoul shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Straight up ghoul shit. Yeah. The kind of guy that gets off on firing. Yeah. He, he, wants yeah. This, he wants this railroad off the books immediately. Uh, and if it fucks over the East Coast, even better. Um, mm. Yeah, because now we're like getting to unions. the point. We've gone from sort of your, yeah. your Nixon Republican where it's like, fuck you, but also I am going to like feel some responsibility that you don't starve so that you can vote for me and my creepy friends to yeah. the Reagan Whoa, thing, which is... <laughs> Nixon back! As opposed to the Reagan thing, which is just uh, where the ideology is, fuck you, die. Yes. Yeah. D die then. And all, and all along, of course, like from the... Um, Jimmy Carter into Ronald Reagan, this deindustrialization process mm -hmm. in the Northeast and every, yeah. and the Rust Belt is like continuing en masse, millions of people losing their good union jobs or whatever. So now's the time yeah. to strike. It's open season. Once PATCO comes down, it's open season on labor. Oh, yeah. And you don't even need the government at that point. You just need capital to start turning the fucking screws. Well, it's all the, all the railroad unions were like, nah, they're not going to do shit. Right. Mm. Um, 
but the, 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 the tide was already turning in Congress, right? Mm. And Congress oh, had God. bailed them off, bailed them out several several times before, to the tune of a couple hundred million dollars each time. Um, but it's all a Congress at this point, Democrats and Republicans alike, because there's a Republican Senate, but a Democratic uh, Congress. Um, they were sick of running this railroad that had cost them something like seven billion dollars so far, right? And that, and they were in the long-term process of shedding labor as like a central part yeah. of the coalition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so union leaders had a cold reception in Congress. Uh, the, the Republican Senate, in particular, said Congress owes uh, organized labor nothing. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, at, at this point, the sort of lobe of my brain that's dedicated to um, Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa and the Irishman yeah. going, Solidarity you know? is like just going, <laughs> just blaring. Uh, you know your tweet uh, about a uh, weird Scandinavian Protestant heaven. Yeah, yeah, where that's it's like you, right you sit in total <laughs> silence watching God carve a chair forever. And if you make any noise, you go to hell. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, the thing, the thing about you had to, the more Russians you killed, the, the higher your rank in heaven. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that no, the, the, the other one, the other one, it's like, um, yeah, every Finn has a special lobe in their yeah. brain, where the second the Russians get too angry, they just decide that the only way to get to heaven is to kill Russians, and the more Russians you kill, the higher your <laughs> rank in heaven is, yeah. <laughs> Bring back Valhalla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conrail's labor relations guy, Bob Swert. Did something. Bob Swert. Bob Swert. Bob Swert. Bob Swert. He did something unprecedented, right? Oh boy! I feel like he went never to the want unions to <laughs> and he opened up the books. It was like, oh no, this, no, no! This, this is the money. This is how much money we need. Unions are like, we're not interested in that. <laughs> well, they didn't have help in Congress anymore. They knew there was no money coming, and the alternative was Conrail got sold off. Everyone was out of a job, right? right? Because Reagan wanted this thing gone. And the books were the books. Everyone believed them, at least this time. Mm. And the pay cuts went ahead. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> I lost, lost a game of chess. Yep. Mm. Well, uh, finally broke their back. Yeah. Drew Lewis was still intent on selling Conrail in pieces, though, right? Crane was like, no, give me a year to make this thing profitable. Then we'll sell it off in one whole piece, right? And Crane had been building support in Congress for this for a while. Uh, Drew Lewis uh, sort of surrendered after this because he's like, okay, everyone likes this Conrail thing. We can't, we can't do anything to it, right? Um, so after deregulation, pay cuts, shedding the computer systems, Reduction in physical plant, reductions in workforce. Conrail showed a profit in 1980 of 39 million dollars, which is like perfect as far as the White House is concerned, right? Well, this is true. Crane didn't even touch the bailout. Uh, he gave it mm. back to Reagan in the form of a large comedy check. Check. <laughs> I, I hate a novelty check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the next that. you're not fucking Ed McMahon, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the next year they posted a profit of two hundred million dollars, and then they undid the twelve percent pay cut. So I it's mm. mixed bag there. Yeah, I, mm. yeah. The problem was now Conrail was turning a profit. 
which meant they def the uh, Congress definitely wanted to get rid of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You now have a going concern. Yes. <sighs> which is too close to being nationalized. Yeah. Right. We have the US, uh, the U.S. government isn't isn't in the business of making money. Yeah, no, nah, especially not when someone's handing you a big novelty check. <laughs> the U.S. government isn't in the business of being handed of getting, big getting novelty <laughs> checks. The U.S. Congress is that is that GIF of the guy dangling the keys in. Front of you. Yeah, <laughs> Just, uh, I wish. I didn't quite finish writing as much as I wanted to on this slide, but I feel like if we really went into how Conrail was split up, that would be a whole other episode, right? We could do let's um, not let's not do yeah, a exactly. whole other episode. Let's do a whole other episode. Gotta get to ten hours. Yeah. One hostage every hour. <laughs> <laughs> One burrow. Every yeah. day. This is this That's is right. uh, this is a slide I'm tentatively uh, titling "The Assassination of Conrail by the Coward Ronald Reagan." I like um, that. Nice. So. Other railroads were sort of taking notice of Conrail's turnaround, right? And a profitable Conrail meant a competitive Conrail. And I want to say at this point, Conrail uh -oh. was the biggest railroad outside of Russia. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. And, and so, you know, deregulation had made mergers possible that never were before, right? So at, at the Chessie system, there was this guy named John Snow, right? Uh, uh, later, later from, from a, the show, yeah, from the show, exactly, yeah. right. Um, and he sort of orchestrated this merger between the Chessie system and the Seaboard Coastline, uh, creating uh, this this weirdly named company called CSX, right? Uh, yeah, shit Express has has no identity whatsoever. It's just Being letters. Shitty. C CSX was the temporary merger name until they came up with a better name. <laughs> uh, New Railroad dot doc. Yes. There, there's still some uh, McKinsey guys in a basement somewhere <laughs> trying to formulate that one. If they just fucking called it something with Chessy in it and put the fucking cat on there, everybody would have been way happier with it. But no, it has to be uh, just letters. So it, it, it's Chessy, Seaboard, and then X. The X is for X. <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> yes. Extreme. Yeah, Chessy, <laughs> Seaboard, Extreme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jim McClellan had gotten himself in the planning department at the Southern Railway, right? Um, which had to react to this merger, because this merger came like two days after the Staggers Act or something like that, right? And they realized, okay, who, who do we merge with? Because the original Southern Railway merger partner was going to be the Chessie system. Just um, looking for a dance partner now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like, all right, all right, all right, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Norfolk and Western, go. Um, so wow. yeah, he phoned up Jack, Jack Fishwick at the Norfolk and Western. And they, did, they were like, yeah, we need to do a merger. And so Norfolk Southern happened. Could have could, could have called it the northern and western, the southern and southern, the, mm. more like the, the southern western. extreme. The, yeah, the southern Norfolk southern extreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, we make our conductors grind on the rails. <laughs> <laughs> There's signal uh, grind. Uh, oh, set. oh, uh, ask their crews about their bathroom policy. Um, Shit out the window, baby. <laughs> Well, no. So there was there was a this was an issue during like the Conrail uh, split up talks. Is that um, so? One of the things Norfolk Southern 
did not do was invest in amenities on the locomotives, including flush toilets. Oh, no. Um, and uh, crews started protesting at some point. Um, and so what they what they did was uh, initially they were like, there's a 55 gallon drum in the nose of the locomotive. Here's a plastic bag. Take a shit in the plastic bag and then get rid of it. Oh, right. man. Then some crews in protest just started throwing the plastic bags full of shit anywhere they could make a ruckus. Uh. And then so right. Norfolk Southern like trucker bombs, Norfolk Southern, rather than installing flush toilets like every other railroad had, they took they, out the drum. No, they started numbering the plastic bags and you had to turn <laughs> them in. Oh you God. had to turn them in at the end of the run. <laughs> this has to be McKinsey again. Yes. This has to be McKinsey again. Oh, my God. I mean, granted, I've seen at 630 the tower crane operator ready to walk up, walk up like. 400 feet into the air with a bucket in his hand that he has to shit in. Oh, but, uh, oh my God. It's like some rudimentary, you know, labor practice here. Give somebody the opportunity to shit without a numbered bag. Yeah. Just put a, put a toilet in the locomotive. I mean, this is why train crews will still like stop the train at a railroad crossing and go use the bathroom at a gas station. Good for them. Yeah. That's great. You know, the Canadian locomotives have flush toilets and they all have coffee makers in them. Uh, wow. Hey, that's pretty good. I Weird want, that there's a pipe connecting my... the two, but <laughs> <laughs> that's efficiency. You you really want your train engineer to have as much caffeine as you want. Oh, this yeah. is true. Yeah. I didn't say that. Yeah, especially since you're not allowed any form of entertainment in there and you're sitting there at a signal for ten hours just stopped. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so both these systems were gargantuan, right? They're mostly located in the southeast. Uh, CSX got as far north as Philly. Uh, Norfolk Southern got as far north as Potomac Yard in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, both of them sort of knew, okay, Conrail is going to be up for sale. What do we do here? Whoever got Conrail would become top railroad, mm. right? You would be the, you, America's next top railroad. Yes. <laughs> They also thought, okay, Conrail's probably going to be sold off in pieces, right? Uh, now, we had a new Secretary of Transportation, Elizabeth Dole. Huh. Wife Why? of Bob Dole. Yeah, my question mm. remains. Uh, well, a Secretary of Transportation is one of those positions that no one thinks means anything. It means a right? lot of things. Yes. Just like to me. Too give many things. To That's why they yeah. always give it to wives, like, uh, what's your face? Wife of... Colin uh, Chow. Elaine Chow. You're gonna say pay people. Yeah, I was gonna say, say that's about sort of Biden's level of homophobia. I think yeah. is to be like, yeah, he's like your wife. I yeah, guess he's kind of like a wife. Yeah, <laughs> I will say uh, that's I, what being gay is. <laughs> it's just a wife. Everyone's a wife all the way down. <laughs> Just Pete Buttigieg at the water cooler, like, yeah, you know the old wife, am I right? Like, yeah. trying so hard. <laughs> so Elizabeth Dole is, is, is now, like, inheriting the Drew Lewis privatization scheme. Yeah. And Drew Lewis had retained Goldman Sachs to figure out how oh, to sell the railroad. Oh. Right? Mm. And they said, city, baby. Yeah. They said, all right, do an initial public offering. Just, just do that, right? And for whatever reason, uh, Mrs. Dole's aide said, no, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Don't do that. Put it up for auction. Right? So they tried an auction. 
Only one credible bidder came forward, at least initially. With $2 billion, the Railway Labor Executives Association. Wow. What? Yeah. The the Railroad's Own Union. Which at this point... You thought socialism had failed? Yeah, no. <laughs> just some biding its time for this greatest moment. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, we- you want a giant novelty check? I got a giant novelty check and a giant novelty 358. <laughs> this is what your dues paid for. <laughs> yeah. We will have flush toilets on every locomotive. <laughs> some would say too many flush toilets. <laughs> An improbable number of flush toilets. We got two stalls in case the engineer and conductor have to go at the same time. <laughs> An entire car on the train devoted to flush toilets. It's got like marble tiling in there. It's just really nice. Yeah, open toilets. Every engine has an executive washroom. Luxury first class caboose. <laughs> and an, an, an espresso machine, but not one of those chintzy ones like the Italian ones. Oh, yeah, you get the, the real one. You can pull yeah. a real nice yeah. shot off of yeah, it. Yeah, it adds four yeah. and a half tons, and your dues paid for it. Let's go, boys. <laughs> We're actually going to have a barista on each train. Uh, they get railroad retirement, yeah. too, by the way. <laughs> so, oh, what could have been? This is the problem, is that this is clearly unacceptable for the union to own the railroad. Pussy yeah, shit. That's, yeah, that's insane communism. Yeah, that's communism right there. Uh, yeah, uh, we don't do that. Stanley Crane didn't like the idea. He said, let's do an IPO or try a merger. He started shopping around. He talked to the folks at the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe, right? He's like, hey, what if we did a transcontinental railroad? You and me. Uh, New York to Los Angeles. Let's go. Right? And they, no, I can't do that either. Up. That's too efficient. So they, they, they came over. They started touring the property. Like, yeah, this might be a good idea. Let's try this out. Oh no, they were just trying to scare the Southern Pacific into a merger, which also didn't happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of scare tactics yeah. in this story. Railroad executives love bluffing. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, meanwhile, Apart Mrs. from that one guy who was willing to ruin Christmas. Yes. <laughs> and that other guy who was like, you have one hour, I will fire you, and then fired the guy. Yeah. So, and, and then all got but fired two himself. executives, <laughs> all but two railroad executives love bluffing. Yes. But meanwhile, Mrs. Dole was still trying to find bidders for the auction and delegated Goldman Sachs to do the same thing. And they all, the, Goldman Sachs came up empty handed. They're like, no one wants to buy this thing whole cloth. Except the uh, Railway Labor Executive Association. So what to buy it? Come no. on, man, that's fun. Ideologically, that's just impossible. So- what you're allowed <laughs> to do is like use the New York City Teachers Fund, <laughs> pension fund, to bail out New York City. But you're not allowed to have any workers actually have a stake. No, in of course. That's communist. I, I believe after they failed to purchase Conrail, they kept going because they had just this huge slush fund. They tried to buy the Denver Rio Grande Western. They tried to buy another railroad. I forget what it is offhand. Uh, let me check. That's the what I would be doing. I would absolutely be using my my uh, railroad purchasing slush fund, and I would not be using it for good purposes. <laughs> that is a good purpose. Buy the railroad that you work for. Yeah, that's not what I would be doing. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to buy the Southern Pacific. They tried to buy the Pittsburgh and Lake Erie. Uh, they tried to Let buy the Chicago and Northwestern. Railroad, 
They're throwing good money yeah, at it. Yeah. Come on. The Chicago and Northwestern was already employee owned. I mean, this is only a one small step forward. How, how did they how did they shut them out from all of these? Bastard. Oh, you just don't Bastard let them buy people. it. <laughs> There's a ca- capitalist came together and said, nope. Class solidarity. Class God solidarity. There you have it. They shouldn't be allowed to have that. It feels like chasing. So after a year of not finding any more bidders for this railroad, CSX announced interest in purchasing Conrail. This is late 80s, right, at this point. I think 80... 80 no, actually early 80s. Hmm. Right? Um, CSX was like, okay, we're going to buy Conrail. They're in a good financial position, especially compared to Norfolk Southern. Um, you know, so so they're like, we're interested. And McClellan... Uh, McClellan, again, he's, he's still a planner at, at Norfolk Southern at this point. He's not a, he's not like a high ranking guy, but he managed to catch, um, one of the executives here. And he's like, this is an existential problem for us. <laughs> yeah. Right? Cause if they, if they buy it, then it all is CSX. Everything's uh, CSX, right? Mm, it, it, mm. it is, it is the only railroad on the East coast. And so we he, are he starts, he, he sort of starts something which is now referred to as the go crazy strategy. Oh boy! Right, <laughs> the madman. Yeah, <laughs> which which was Norfolk Southern then took all the money they had and said we're going to buy a Conrail with all this money. Um, like the day after CSX said they they announced they were thinking about buying it, Norfolk Southern was like, "Here's all the money we have. Give us Conrail, right?" Um, and so Mrs. Dole announced that Norfolk Southern was the winner in 1985. And Norfolk Southern then backed out because they didn't actually have that much money. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, more bluffs. (laughs) So, finally, Conrail was given to an IPO, an initial public offering in 1986. Um, And at this point, the battle lines were kind of drawn between CSX and Norfolk Southern. Like, we're going to fight over this. But Conrail was now a completely private company. And there was a just a huge mess for about a decade. Well, CSX and Norfolk Southern bickered and argued about how to split up Conrail. Um, and again, the, the, the unions were definitely more, more like, can we get CSX, please? <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot of the, the Norfolk Southern unions, uh, the, 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 their employees refer to it as Nazi Southern. Oh, yeah. I mean the, the whole sort of like black color scheme doesn't help. Yeah. I think and the poop bags yeah. and the poop uh, bags. Yeah. The the split actually occurred in 1997 after a decade of bickering and arguing. Most of the former New York Central went to CSX, and most of the former Pennsylvania Railroad went to Norfolk Southern. Which so is, the whole thing was for nothing, and we may as well not have merged the two in the first place. Yes, this is the same yeah. systems as was proposed in the 50s. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so what you're, what you're telling Incredible. me is that three episodes of this shit, fucking ten hours, and the conclusion is, yeah, it went back to the way it was at the start. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it the original idea. Uh, they did the original Incredible. idea, and that turned out to be the wow, one that I'm made so, sense. This is the angriest I've ever been, I think. <laughs> um, and today there's... Uh, Holy shit. Today you have Conrail Shared Assets Operation. Um, which operates trains and tracks in Detroit, Philadelphia, and New Jersey on behalf of both of the companies where it was impossible to divide ownership fairly, right? Um, the Conrail split so far has been the last railroad mega merger 
because whatever the next one will be, it'll probably they'll try and do a transcontinental railroad of some sort. Um, I mean, we're not going to get Canadian Pacific, Kansas City Southern. I don't know what that'll do. I don't, I don't, I don't see a mega merger happening again because at that point it'll be, it'll be so close to monopoly. Like my God, I mean, they're already monopolies, but yeah. it's already very much like the cartelized managed competition. Mm, oh yeah, Pepsi Coke thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference between Norfolk Southern and CSX other than flush toilets in the locomotives? Hmm. That's a pretty big difference, man. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Actually, CSX is a lot better than not derailing trains right now. Yeah, I was going to um, say. <laughs> but what well, did we learn? What did we learn? Nothing. Mm. Oh, wait, no, what? there's another slide. Motherfucker. Oh. Okay. I was going to say, if you search for competition long enough, you might just find... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you knock on enough doors. Maybe the real competition was all the friends yeah. we made along the way. Oh, As part of Penn Central's divestiture of non-railroad assets during the prolonged bankruptcy, they sold off a bunch of real estate around Grand Central Terminal above their rail yards. Oh, we're about to get our last uh, member of the Hall of Presidents. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I recognize that fucking building. <laughs> they also tried to sell Grand Central Terminal itself to be uh, demolished and replaced with an office tower. Oh, my and God. And that was, uh, that was the Supreme Court case that gave us the historic preservation movement. Um, huh. But among the buildings they tried to sell was the grand but aging and no longer profitable Commodore Hotel. Right? Um, now, there was this guy who owned a whole bunch of apartments in Queens and Brooklyn. Oh, no. His dad was a notorious slumlord, right? Oh, no. He wanted to move out of the apartment business and into big-time Manhattan real estate. And become respectable and move up in the world. His name was was Donald John Trump. (laughs) Uh, That was Sean. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I got this small $1 million loan from his father. Fred Trump, <laughs> and he secured an option oh, we on the Commodore the Hotel. The clan. Mm. What? We should point oh, out Fred Trump was in the clan. This is true. That's after, true. After he got that option, he secured control of the building uh, with a bunch of financing, right? And this was Trump's first big-time Manhattan building, the new luxury Grand Hyatt Hotel which is actually just the building from 1919 with the new facade. Um, oh, shit, it really is. Yeah. It was really handsome before, then they put that disgusting glass. I was about to say, on. yeah. All of the brick is actually still there underneath the glass, except the first six stories, which are the most architecturally interesting part. Um, so, you know, they, 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 they took all the brick and the ornament off, or, or they covered it in the glass. They put the new sleek black glass facade. He really wanted an atrium, and they told him he couldn't have it because it's a building from 1919. Um, But the architect who designed it went on to work for Trump for a long time afterwards, right? But this this was... uh, And that architect's name, Albert Speer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, 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 go go look up Albert Speer II and... um, (laughs) Oh no, that's oh. not real, is it? Oh yeah, no. The, yeah. Albert Speer and partner have uh, built all of the stadiums for the the World Cup in Casa. Yes, 
<laughs> What's really, really funny oh is that if if, if you God, go and watch uh, if you go and watch a a World Cup match in Qatar, you can uh, you know sit in a seat in a stadium that like has a body count of slave laborers that was designed by Albert Speer and built by the Bin Laden Group. It's incredible. Oh. Just a perfect confluence of dark energies. I love architecture. Jesus, fucked by it. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's morally, I would say it's one of the best things. <laughs> oh. Oh. But so this is the building. This is the building that kickstarts Donald Trump's real estate career, right? It was generally regarded as a great success. It's symbol of the revitalization of Manhattan during like the financial mm. crisis. Or, Don or is shortly chewing off his own knuckles at the moment. Shortly beforehand, right? Mm. Oh, in the um, 80s, people loved this shit. Yeah, and, so. and it was it, everyone loved this until the accounting discrepancies came out about a decade later. Um, <laughs> but this that was mm -hmm. a, that by that time Donald Trump was a celebrity. It didn't matter, right? <laughs> so, um, anyway, my point is, our entire system, our system of capitalism. Our entire lives, it all comes back to Penn Central Railroad. And that's why it took 16 hours of content to try and describe it and come I back to like the I'm same dying, place. Dude. It's true. Because it explains everything. It's like looking into the fucking multiverse. Mm -hmm. It all goes back. Sean, buddy, are you okay over there? <laughs> 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 oh, I'm great. Yeah, yeah I'm good. <laughs> I'm just staring into the abyss. <laughs> it's all caused. Thinking, thinking keenly about uh, the past and the future. <laughs> if, you hate, if you hate the current political climate, get mad. Go back, go, go back in time. Get mad at the, the standard railroad of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did we learn? Uh, I tried go, that go, go back in time ago, and kill all of the like Penn Central guys. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, go, go. Yeah. Raymond Lowy. Yeah, not Raymond go, Lowy. Go back, uh, go back release release episodes of your podcast more frequently. But go go back in time uh, and convince have... the uh, the Pennsylvania legislature in the 1830s that the main line of public works was sufficient. <laughs> uh, Jay Sakai was right, and the, the Maoist internationalist movement was correct, yeah. but only up until about 1976. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I aspire to be a labor aristocrat. Maybe they'll give us podcasters uh, sweet pension deals at some point. Uh, we can only, we can only retirement. Yeah. yeah, podcast retirement. <laughs> the IPC, the International Podcasters Commission. <laughs> Now, we have a segment on this podcast called Safety Third. We could have skipped this. Shake hands with danger. Oh, thank God. Dear, well, there's your problem. And all Shut guests. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I used to work for an exploration drilling company that operated in remote Western Australia. Oh, no. G'day. 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 Bill Shorten wants to rack yeah. off me fucking drill rigs. Welcome to Bunda Vista podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it didn't even make any sense. I'm tired. Yeah, hurts. At the time, I thought that heavy diesel experience would be a useful career move, but it turned out the company was more adept at embezzlement than it was at technical development. Oh, that's tough. Huh. Such is life. 
The crew I spent most of my time with operated a surface rig that used a technique called air core drilling, which would typically drill to depths of about 100 meters. In American, that's 300 feet in a grid pattern across swaths of Australian bushland, which is much better geotech than you would ever get in America. Um, (laughs) Well, you don't also have swaths of bushland. This is true. We could probably find some. Aircore uses a rack of three meter long drill rods in which when each rod has been fully fed into the ground, the drill is unscrewed and raised. Then the next rod is placed into the gap, screwed into the previous rod, and the cycle continues deeper and deeper. I've actually done this for work before. Hmm. I am I am slightly confused here as to how this works. Okay. I the forgot st- it was Ukrainian Easter. It's Orthodox Easter, and they're doing an entire procession outside my window right now, and they're singing. There's the priest. And we- oh, wow, they really are, huh? Yeah. You're, like, continuously drilling this pipe into the oh, ground, and, the, and the, the drill, like, tips back. It's, it's trips, basically, right. and you put, like, an, like, another bullet in a chamber. You put, like, another pipe in, and then it interlocks with the threads into the other Shooting ones. Shooting the ground with Anton Chigurh's, like, um, uh, air gun thing. Right. right. The reason it's called air core is because each rod is made up of two nested tubes. Compressed air is forced down the gap between the outer and inner tube, and when it gets to the bit at the end of the drill... It does a hairpin turn and comes back up the inside of the inner tube, hopefully bringing the sample with it. Okay, gotcha. I see, right. Mm. One particular hot autumn day, the crew had drilled into some clay that had been comfortably compressed underground for millions of years. Drilling into it had allowed it to decompress inside our tubes and hoses, blocking the lines that were supposed to feed out the samples. After trying the approved methods of clearing the lines with no success, the driller came up with a plan. One of the young offsiders was to distract the geologist and client by oh, showing no. them a funnel web spider nest we had seen nearby. <laughs> this is the Lancia approach. Yes. <laughs> this is- Waltzing Matilda base boosted plays. <laughs> Not a poisonous spider, but incredibly venomous. Meanwhile, the sample hose had been disconnected, leaving the outlet of the drill pointed at a skyward angle like a howitzer. (laughs) Finally, a less-than-recommended return cap was fitted over the drill head, allowing the rig to turn its air compressor on itself and sneeze out a slug of clay that, to this day, still may have not hit the ground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just sort of less less uh oil exploration more sort of artillery there i'm, I'm thinking i'm what i'm what i'm hearing is just boomp. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds exactly like a t-shirt cannon yeah <laughs> the geologist being unable to hear any difference in the rig's usual roar gave the offsider a safety commendation for pointing out the hazardous spider and drilling <laughs> resumed. Fantastic. Attached to his exam. Mean, that's that, that's yeah. expedience right that, there. That is expedience right there. That, that's how you get things done. <laughs> are, they, are they making a loop of the church, dude? 
I don't I don't understand Christianity. Uh, yeah. I thought um, I thought the church next to you was Ukrainian Orthodox. It is Ukrainian Orthodox. It's Ukrainian Great Friday, I think, dude. Oh, that'll huh. do it. Uh, they don't they don't go on your calendar. They're just singing and shit, dude. <laughs> we now enter a segment I like to call Liam endorses the special military operation. No. <laughs> they call me Liam Donboss Anderson. <laughs> Solidarity to all working Liam's peoples. Leave me alone. <laughs> Liam's gonna drive this this drill rig to the Donboss as artillery. <laughs> America and I'm here to help as I just spit into a, a tank barrel. Yeah, if there's any oil under Ukraine, we'll find it. If we get like a 14-year-old's view of like American foreign policy again. Are we done? I think we're done. Are we done? I think, I think wow. we'll be done. I think we can go back to doing engineering disasters now. Alright. Justin? Ross. Damn, guys. Ah. Hello. <laughs> I hit the I hit the I hit the thing. Stop. Stop hitting right. the thing. I'm begging you to stop hitting it. All right. All right. Uh, listen Thank to the Antifada. Thank you for making a show that Fuck. I'm going to call <laughs> a bloody delight just so that I can hear you say that phrase in your accent. Oh, it's a bloody delight. It's a bloody delight. It's a bloody delight. Jack off welcome. me fucking you. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the Antifada. Listen to uh, yeah. Lions we have of the Patreon. Yeah. We have a Patreon. I'm working on the next bonus episode. The Boston Molasses disaster. Does anyone have any commercials? <laughs> I was uh, trying, motherfucker. Yeah. All of what Liam just said. Listen yes. to the Antifada. Listen yeah. to Lions Side by Donkeys. Listen to 10,000 Losses. Listen to Kill James Bond. Listen to Trash Future. We have a bonus episode that I am still writing, but which we will be recording within three days. Fuck so you. I don't believe uh, it. No, we will. We will. No, uh, gonna I'm, I, to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna endorse this sort of a program of special measures whereby I just stand over both of you, the Makarov, and we make the fucking oh, podcast okay. on time. <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. I okay. can see it. Stop fucking singing out to oh, there's banners now. There's there's why. Well, Bye everybody. There's I had a great time. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Bye guys. <laughs> see you on the next one. All right. I think I think that was a podcast. <laughs>